Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello David. How good is it to be alive and how good is it to be block? Oh yeah. It's block right now Dave, did you forget? That's the only time I feel alive is during block. Really? Yes. That's so sad. Yeah, well I mean honestly it's good to have something to look forward to. What's going on bud? How are you? Are you alright? Yeah, it's block, I'm good. Okay, but like the rest of the time, what's... Well, the rest of the time it's not blocks. So I'm not good. You would I mean, have, it's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, no, true. You've, you would have been yep. more stoked than anyone that block got extended to two months. That's right. And for the people who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, Matt, what is block? <laughs> block is the most wonderful time of the year. Agreed. Uh, where we go through our most requested and most voted for topics of the year. We're counting them down this time around. And it's all based on Gregorian calendar stuff. How many Wednesdays in... October, November, this time around, there's nine. So we're counting down the top nine mm. topics for Block 2022. It's, it's huge. Yeah, but nine bothers me, but that's okay. Sorry. Well, but... take it up with Gregory Gregorian. I will. Gregory Gregorian. Gregory Gregorian. <laughs> I've got some opinions. <laughs> well, the good news is, Jess, you've got a round number for your report, kind of. It's uh, number eight. <laughs> 
And it's almost it. the most round exactly, number. Exactly, it's two round. It's probably the second roundest. Two round, two furious. Uh, call, it, call it the snowman number in some circles. Another round thing, circles. <laughs> two snowmen, 88. Yeah, there you go. I love, um, I love the idea that people have, uh, are interested in this topic, have looked it up, have started this podcast and thought, wow, they're insufferable, um, which is what I did in researching this topic. Found some podcasts and went... Oh boy! Okay, I wasn't okay. quite following there, but you're saying that we're insufferable. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Took me a while to connect those dots because I'm like, those two that things can't be don't true. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, stick with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Isn't that funny? How new people on a new podcast, you insufferable. When you get used to them, they're like old mates. Yeah. Who are insufferable, isn't but you put up with it. That's beautiful, like, isn't it? Push through the pain. <laughs> you get to know them. You think, oh, this is just how they are. Yeah, it's not their <laughs> fault. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. That's fine. Um, yeah, and for anybody who's just joining us for the first time, uh, we usually start with a question. Are That's you right. Are you too ready for a question? Well, I mean, do we need to explain the show any further? It's one of the three of us goes away and uh, researches a topic usually suggested by a listener. During Block, it's been suggested by a lot of listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, bring the research back and then tell it to the other two. Kind of like a... A school report, an yeah. oral presentation. That might be the best that you've ever done explaining it. Really? Well, saved it for block. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we normally get onto the topic. The report giver gets on a topic with a question. This week, Jess is doing the report. That's right. What is your question, Jess? My question is, which over-the-counter medication was the centre of a nationwide panic in the US in the early 1980s? Oh, pa- I think panic's a clue there. Mm. Panadol. Panic doll. Panic doll. Well, it's te- I guess it's kind of true. It was Tylenol, which is <gasps> which paracetamol, rhymes, which rhymes which with. is Panadol. Right. So Ty- American Panadol is Tylenol. Well, Tylenol's just the brand name. Oh, wow. Panadol's just a brand. It's just paracetamol. Paracetamol. <laughs> it's a, one of those words that the more you say it, it sounds <laughs> does sound a little ridiculous. The more you say it, the more it rolls off your tongue. <laughs> paracetamol. There's another one. The first one. time you say like, yeah, paracetamol, obviously that's a normal word. But then you start to say paracetamol. You know another name for paracetamol is acetaminophen? <laughs> <laughs> is that somehow more ridiculous? It, yeah, acetaminophen. acetaminophen. Both of them sound like, uh, like a grade two learning what syllables are. Yeah. Paracetamol. Acetaminophen. <laughs> I love clapping syllables. <laughs> so fun. Yes. And then they stopped doing that when you get to high school. It's like, oh, okay. I'm just oh. going to do it in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> clapping along. Oh, Pretty we don't, disrespectful. We don't get to clap the syllables anymore? Okay. We don't get to clap the <laughs> syllables anymore. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. you, you clap See, the syllables. That's anyway. what a high school education gets you. <laughs> Nothing. Some people brought it back on Twitter, though, with those emojis. Those are clapbacks. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I assume true. that's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're counting their syllables. Um, so, yeah, the Tylenol, uh, it, well, it, I'll just start that again. Okay. <laughs> right from the top. Dave. Hi, everyone. Our topic today and the number eight most suggested topic, well, the, mo- the voted on topic for Block is the Tylenol murders. Ooh. Ooh. Really? I've heard of the Tylenol murders, but I always assumed... Tylenol meant something like it was like a full-on drug, but it's just a pretty... Paracetamol. I had no right. idea either. Wow. It's an over-the-counter pain med. Oh, geez. Yeah, pretty gentle. Just use it for... And they're murdering people with it. You just use it for a little headache. Sounds like you should get a prescription if you're going to murder someone. Mm. That's a great point. Just saying. 
Um, this has been suggested by a few people. It's been suggested by Jen Wood, Abby Wazinski, Damon, Lewis Angle, uh, Alex Bachi, Lauren, uh, and Nicola St. John. Oh, fantastic How name. How that name? They're all good, but St. John is a fantastic surname. Um, so let me tell you about it, shall I? Please. Wednesday, the 29th of September, 1982. Where were you? <gasps> <laughs> this just turns into oh, like a, okay. Take me back. Where were you? <laughs> An interrogation, really quickly, because well, I've got video evidence that says. Interestingly enough, you uh, weren't there. I think you might have been in Chicago. Imagine eventually we'd get suggested a topic that implicates one of us in a really big crime, <laughs> but the other two don't know. So somebody's just doing a report, and one of us is just sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you haven't said anything for yeah. about twenty-five minutes. The yeah. only suspect was a. Uh, a tall, red-headed man with a beard oh, thank <laughs> God, wearing not me. a St Kilda football club okay. Yeah, that could be anyone. In Matt. the Brunswick area. <laughs> Matt, just start talking about how hot they sound. Wow, it sounds, oh, sounds really attractive. I'd fuck that murderer. <laughs> they sound cool, but also sound innocent to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 982. Well, you know, I was already decades and centuries old. That's right, yeah. You should put the decades first, interesting. <laughs> That's how we used to do it. <laughs> okay. That's sort of American style. You know how they do dates wrong? Yeah. It's like that. I assume I'm, they I'm, also do decades right. before centuries. Yeah, four score and 20. I'm two and 30 years old right now. <laughs> <laughs> so 1982, 29th of September, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman woke up early around quarter past six and noticed she had a head cold and a sore throat. Her parents agreed to let her stay home from school and get some rest. And luckily, Mary's mother had just bought a new bottle of Tylenol at the supermarket the day before. So, yeah, paracetamol or acetaminophen. I had to write that out. Acetaminophen? Acetaminophen, phonetically. Sort of, it sounds almost like Peter Serafinowicz, the uh, English actor. That's what I kept like, thinking when you say But I'm th- is it like two people, like Johnny Paracetamol and Christina Acetaminophen, and they were both competing to oh. name it after themselves? Um, sure. They yeah. both had, yeah, two family empires. It's amazing <laughs> you even got their first names right. It's crazy. I... But unfortunately, the paracetamol acetaminophen uh, race was not voted on by the uh, by the patreons, so we'll have to tell that story another time. Next block. It's exciting. So Mary went to the bathroom, took an extra strength Tylenol to help ease her pain. Within minutes, her father heard coughing and then a thud come from the bathroom. He rushed in to find Mary unresponsive. Oh, dear. oh shit. Paramedics were called and they rushed Mary to Alexian Brothers Medical Centre in Elk Grove Village, where she was sadly pronounced dead at 9.56am. Oh, oh. oh, my God. So, well, without jumping ahead too far, something's wrong with this paracetamol. Holy shit, Matt. You put that together real quick. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with the acetaminophen. That's correct. <laughs> Sorry, this episode sponsored by the acetaminophen family empire. <laughs> Peter acetaminophen. <laughs> What a guy. The tick, is that who he is? Yeah, the tick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, had a great cameo on Black Books. Oh, yeah? That's the guy who reads the shipping forecast. <gasps> oh, and him! Fran's, uh, his voice turns on Fran. Fran. <laughs> Fran. Yeah. Fran, is that you? <laughs> he, also, he had a great... I did not get that the first time watching it. And watching it as an adult, I was like, oh, I oh. understand what's happening. I think he had a like an uh, a bit of a viral video years and years ago. where he, You know those videos where someone does like a hundred... Imperse- impressions in a minute. Yeah. He did one, but all the all the people he was impersonating were just made up people. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> that is good. 
Back to a child dying. Oh, yeah. So we were trying to bring a bit of light somewhere, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, you, there will be no light in this. Oh, well, okay. let's, so we'll, we'll, find the fun where you can. Every five minutes, we'll talk about our favourite Peter Serenafowitz moment. Those <laughs> <laughs> so, science videos he did. Very funny. Very fun. So, yeah, Mary Kellerman, her sudden and tragic passing raised a lot of questions. How does a seemingly healthy 12-year-old suddenly drop dead? What had caused Mary's death? The biggest shock would come later, as Mary's death was the beginning of a chaotic and deadly 24 hours in the Chicago area that saw six more people's lives end suddenly and also without explanation. This is sounding a bit like maybe a much more deadly version of the needles and the strawberries thing in Australia (laughs) a few years ago. So it's a a pretty, um, what do you call it, like a, just a very... I can't think of a word. Is it Peter Serenafowitz? An inoffensive sort of product. It's like a... Innocuous. Innocuous product. Thank you. And uh, someone's tampered with it by the sounds of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Only with the needles and the strawberries. That just made people stop eating strawberries. Yeah. But I imagine this probably didn't do a lot of good for the paracetamol industry. That's right. And that's why we don't have paracetamol anymore. So my first suspect Uh is Peter Cinnaminowins. Okay. Or whatever the... (laughs) person was no, who no, made you the got other it right. Thing. Cinnamon wins. Yeah, that was a dark time when we couldn't eat strawberries, wasn't it? Because uh, so, for context, if you're overseas and you don't know this for a while, there, there was I don't know, it was probably only a few times though, wasn't it? Mm, I think so. Needles yeah. were turning up in strawberries in Australian supermarkets. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone actually got injured from it, but then that you were encouraged either to not eat strawberries or to chop them up before chop you them eat up them first. Yeah, and I think something. Uh, similar happened in the US with like a razor blades in hot dogs at a baseball oh, field shit. or something. That sounds so awful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah. So it, it's happened. It's happened before. Obviously, though, when it's one person selling the hot dogs, it's probably more obvious. Who's, He's also selling razor blades. Yeah, who's put the razor blades in there. <laughs> and it's actually just been a bit of a whoopsie. <laughs> it's a giveaway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Free razor blade. Now you're complaining. Okay. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was weird that um, Gary Gillette's uh, hot dog stand... <laughs> Didn't, yeah, got away with it somehow. He's also putting shaving gel on the hot dogs, and <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Instead of mustard. You shouldn't eat that, yeah. Shaving cream instead of sauce, it was pretty, shaving gel. Pretty bad. It's the sort of stuff it comes out like, it's like a blue kind of gel stuff, and then it kind of foams. Yeah, it looks like it tastes good, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Not yeah. on a hot dog. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Maybe on a cracker or something. Yeah, it's not a good match. <laughs> Not far from Elk Grove Village in Arlington Heights, 27-year-old Adam Janis or Yanis, had the day off from his job as a post office supervisor. He had had some slight chest pain the day before, but was feeling fine that day and spent the morning running some errands. He picked up his four-year-old daughter, Cassia, up from preschool and uh, stopped by the supermarket for a few bits and pieces, some steaks, flowers for his wife, and some extra strength Tylenol. Once home, his wife, Teresa, saw him come out of the bathroom, clutching his chest and complaining of pain. She followed him into the bedroom and noticed his breathing was slow and his pupils were dilated. Through the window, she could see two neighbours talking and she knew one of them was a nurse. She ran out for help and the nurse tried to resuscitate Adam while the other neighbour called an ambulance. Pretty rude to interrupt a conversation. They're like, sorry, Teresa, (laughs) we're chatting. Sorry, this is important. We're working out our week. A little detail there is actually, it's quite lucky that it was these two neighbours she saw because Teresa um, didn't speak a lot of English. She was Polish. And she knew that the nurse spoke Polish as well. Okay, that so is very fortunate. It's very wow. fortunate that she happened to see a person who A, could help medically and B, could understand, she could communicate with. 
So at Northwest Community Hospital in Arlington Heights, less than 10 miles from where Mary Kellerman was, Adam Yanis was pronounced dead at 3.15pm. Oh, shit. So when you said lucky, you really got our hopes up Yeah, I was really hoping he was going to pull through, yeah. Uh, No. Given the fact that he complained of chest pains, doctors initially thought it must have been a heart attack. Dr. Thomas Kim, medical director of the ICU, said, There was nothing obvious like a gunshot wound or anything. In Yanis's case, we thought of the heart first, so the diagnosis for him was either a massive heart attack or a massive injury to the brain. We had to wait until the test came back. Now, Dr. Kim comes up a little bit throughout this, so keep him in the back of your mind. All right. First suspect. <laughs> <laughs> By this time, more of the Yanis family had arrived at the hospital. At, like I said, Adam's wife, Teresa, didn't speak a lot of English, so Adam's family were there to talk to doctors. The Yanis family left the hospital and went back to Adam and Teresa's house together. The family included Adam's mother, brothers Joseph and Stanley, and Stanley's new wife, also named Teresa. They'd been married for about three months, having held their ceremony at the same church as Stanley's two brothers, um, and they'd just been on a honeymoon to Hawaii, hadn't even received their wedding photos back yet. And now here they were, planning a funeral for the same church they'd just gotten married in. Oh my in. God. Wow. In one article I read, it said that Stanley was having back pain and wanted to just go back to his own home, but his mother insisted they all go back to Adam's house together. No, no, no. Other resources back say... pain, no. <laughs> other resources say that when they were all back at the house, Stanley had a bad headache, as did his wife, Terry, also, oh, also no. Teresa. And several of the articles I read say this is a pretty common physical side effect of grief and shock is a headache. So they went together to the bathroom in Adam's house and each took some extra strength oh. Tylenol. Moments later, Stanley emerged clutching his chest. He collapsed, his brother Joseph catching him on the way down and easing him onto the floor. Terry complained her chest hurt too. I found this amazing article from the Chicago um, Tribune. It was only published a few days ago at the time of recording. It's by Stacey St. Clair and Christy uh, Gotovsky. And it's incredibly well written, has a lot of detail and sort of forms the skeleton of this report. It also has two parts out and more coming in the weeks ahead. They're kind of doing this like series of uh. articles about it for the uh, 40th anniversary, I suppose, or the 40 years since this happened. Mm. Um, so there's a link in the show notes if you want to read the whole series. It's amazing. So this is quoted from that article. The firefighters and paramedics at Arlington Heights Station 3 were making dinner when the call came in about a man down. When the dispatcher gave the address, they looked at one another in disbelief. The station's paramedics had just been there a few hours ago for a man down, and that man had died. Fire Lieutenant Chuck Kramer ordered an engine to follow the ambulance to the house. It was unusual for bigger vehicles to respond to a medical emergency, but two calls to the same address in less than six hours was alarming. As we were coming down the street, there were crowds of people, said Kramer, who was in the trailing fire truck. As we pulled up in front, I started to go up to the house and I can hear screaming coming out of the house. Inside, paramedics were trying to revive Stanley as he lay on the floor. One of the medics looked at Kramer with fear in his eyes. This is the exact same thing that happened to the man this morning, he told his lieutenant, and we lost him. Terry grabbed Kramer's shoulder for support. Then she groaned and fell to the floor. Kramer assumed she'd fainted, but when he turned her over, he knew it was something far more serious. Her breath was shallow. Her eyes were fixed and dilated. Jeez. At the moment, at this point, and maybe it's just because of like COVID and stuff, but I want, they, they must be thinking, is this a contagious thing? Absolutely. Wow. 
So now I've got six paramedics working on two people, Kramer said, and I'm looking at what's going on. I said, guys, this isn't heart attacks. There's something wrong. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're thinking something environmental. Oh, whoa. The paramedics loaded the couple into separate ambulances and headed to Northwest Community Hospital. Concerned that some kind of airborne contagion or other deadly environmental poison was in the house, Kramer put the entire Yanis family in police cars and sent them to the hospital too. Handcuffed? Handcuffed. (laughs) He radioed ahead to the hospital staff. You'd better find a place for us, he recalled telling them. I've got 14 people who need to be isolated. Uh, I tell you what, and this might be because I'm... Uh, six and a half seasons into the X-Files, but I'd send out Mulder and Scully at this point. Would you? Yeah. This would be the point where you'd be like, something's up here. Yeah, and Mulder would walk in and he'd guess it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He'd just be like, eh, it's actually not without precedent, <laughs> Scully. And then he'll have a wild stab at some obscure thing. Yep. Sometimes uh, paracetamols can be poison. It did happen with the Aztecs. Uh, and, it was, and then it'll, it, it'll just happen to have guessed it purely And then Scully be like Come on Mulder There's got to be a more simple explanation I don't know Mulder <laughs> And then they'll go through 40 minutes And he'll yeah. have been right Yeah nearly every time Why does she waste resources and time then? Cause it must be so annoying Because she is saying What she's saying is logically right yeah, And yeah, she's yeah. a medical doctor yeah. but, he always, but eventually as a medical doctor Who believes in science You know there's, you've done a lot of there's a lot of testing that's been done in Mulder. <laughs> yeah. It's always right. If you if you think of every episode as a test on Mulder's ability, mm. it's pretty conclusive. Yeah, See, yeah, but, yeah. but what they would do is they do a DNA test on the people that have collapsed. Scully would be like, I've never seen this genome before. Oh my God, let's take it to another lab. They'd go, wow, I've never seen this before. The person who did that test would be murdered and then the test would disappear. Whoa. <laughs> and then the season would end and the X-Files would be shut down <laughs> for the sixth season end in a row. Whoa. I really wish you guys would stop spoiling episodes because that's exactly what happened. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know, Mulder. <laughs> As the ambulance raced towards the hospital, Dr. Kim was about to leave after a long shift, but a nurse stopped him to say that two people had collapsed at the Yanis house and were on their way. He assumed it was Adam's parents, overcome with grief. The nurse said, no, it's his brother. So then I said, well, maybe he fainted. Kim recalled, he's like quite keen to leave. <laughs> then, she said, out the door. then she said, his wife also collapsed. So I threw my jacket off and told the ICU, ICU nurses I was staying. Oh, that's very, that's very theatrical. Isn't it? Throw the jacket off. Tell my wife I'm not coming home. Yeah, call my wife. <laughs> um, but it's also, it's funny that he was so open about just being like, yeah, I was like, really keen to get home. Yeah, he's like, okay, so some old people fainted. Do I have to stick around? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so a young person fainted. Do All I have right. to see his wife fainted? <laughs> yeah. Call my wife. <laughs> Call my wife and tell her not to faint. Tell my daughter I won't make it to her ballet recital. <laughs> That's right. So cut, we'll cu- cut to seat with reserved yeah, for dad. Dad, Dr. Kim. <laughs> and then little Kim. Lil Look, Kim. Lil dancing. Kim on the side of stage looking out yeah. and the teacher going... I don't know, we've got to go on. And then her mum sitting in next to the empty chair, just sort of apologetically <laughs> shaking her head. Shrugging. It's like, your dad is the head of ICU, yeah. okay? Things uh, are going to You happen. are very important to dad, but dad also has a really important job. Yeah. And a lot of people's right. lives rely on dad. Right, so do Kim. your little fucking dance yeah. and have some respect. 
the mum will be like, you know, that's what hey, I would say. Lil Kim, I see you doing the recital, but Dad is at the office. I see you, yeah. And Lil Kim will be like, oh, mum, you do this joke every, every time. Day. And it's it, it's not that funny. And never comforts. It's funny me. the first time I got it, and I was four. Okay, I'm six now. I'm a big girl. Know what I mean? Halfway through the performance, a page just starts going up. Everyone looks around. Someone steps up. They run out. It's Fox Mulder. Oh my god! Watching his niece's recital, yeah. but he's been called away. He's been called away. It's an emergency, and she's like, "God damn it! Not again! Fox, not another come on. paranormal emergency!" <laughs> and he's like, "But I thought my sister was abducted by aliens, <laughs> and yet here she is with a daughter in the ballet." That's right. Season seven doesn't connect with the other seasons at all. They rewrite the whole show. It's very confusing. The only through line, Scully does not believe. That's right. I don't know how they work together, honestly. The last episode I, I watched was uh, kind of strange. Do you remember when there was a kind of spin-off series called Millennium or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, and they, they tied they did up. A, they did a backdoor finale. <laughs> yeah, because they heard of backdoor pilots hmm. where, you, you know, they'll like uh, Soul Man. The uh, Dan Aykroyd show did a backdoor pilot in Home Improvement. It's just like, hey, I'm I'm the new priest neighbor, Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's a like they test that that's popular and then yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll yeah. fund a season. But this one, like, they cancelled the show. But the maker of X Files also made that other show, and he's like, I guess he was like, I still want to finish my show, yeah. so he had the finale as an episode. Just wrote. Um, Mulder and Scully into it. Yeah, and, and it, like it zoomed out from the finale, and uh, Scully and Mulder are watching the TV. And they're like, "Wow, what a fantastic TV show!" That's not true. Jess is looking like that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so so good. I'm so. Like that doesn't make much sense. Well, it still didn't make much sense, but that was worse than what happened. Anyway. So Dr. Kim. Dr. Kim. Taking his jacket off. We'll come back to the Yannis family later because in the meantime, in fact, around 30 minutes after Adam Yannis had died, it's around 3.45 p.m. at this point, 27-year-old Mary Reiner was at her Winfield home around half an hour away from the areas of Illinois that Adam and Mary were in. Reiner had a headache and had purchased some Tylenol at the supermarket that morning. Not extra strength, please. After taking two capsules, she felt dizzy almost immediately, collapsing onto a chair in the kitchen and began having seizures. Paramedics were called and Mary was rushed to the hospital, where she sadly died the next day on September 30. Three hours after Mary Reiner had taken a deadly dose of Tylenol, another Mary, so we've got three Marys now, 31-year-old Mary McFarland from Lombard, 20 miles away, was working at the Illinois Bell Telephone Store in the Yorktown Shopping Centre. She's in a mall. It's around 6.45, she stepped into the break room to deal with a headache. In fact, the company had a jar of generic pain pills for their staff, but Mary had a bottle of Tylenol in her bag and she decided to take that instead. I'm not going to take that generic shit. I'm starting to wonder, is the killer targeting Mary's? Mm. And if so, yeah. Like, it's weird that it's the Tylenol. I've had three Mary's, three Yannis's. The Mary Tylenol murders. Mm. (laughs) Mary Tylenol. And you were worried you wouldn't find any fun in this. And here we are, having a great time. So less than 10 minutes later, she returned to the break room and her co-worker recalled her saying, I don't feel good, before collapsing. Paramedics arrived and Mary's co-worker told them that she'd taken Tylenol but nothing else. Mary McFarland was taken to hospital where her family were told she'd suffered a massive stroke. And she too sadly passed away not long after. Oh man, is that five now? Well, and they just—they yeah. haven't been able to connect any dots at this point. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, so these, yeah, five people who have all had a similar experience. Been born Mary. Almost or seriously, on the same day. Really? You don't get born a Mary. Someone, I think... Or the do you signs think, you marry. Or do yeah. you think that people just go, well, that's a Mary? Yeah, I think some people are born great and others have greatness thrust upon them. Okay. And what... Well, same with Mary. Okay. Is Mary a great name, do you think? Yeah. Okay. One of the greats. Mary. Hmm. Yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. I think it's a solid name. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah? Yeah. What, what top... What are we talking, top 20? Yeah. Mary, it's in the top 20 That's for pretty good. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm saying like it's up there in terms of the number of Marys in my family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a couple. There's two of them. Yeah. I've got an Auntie Mary. Yeah. Right. Of, I've got two Auntie Marys. Same side of the family. Right. Crazy. What? That's wild. Crazy. Michael's the one I've got a lot. Got a lot on of Michaels. One, on both sides, but yeah. We've got multiple Phillips. Really? And Phillips. We've got, I've got on the same side of the family... Two cousins Philip, two cousins Thomas. It's like those siblings were like, "Fuck it, I don't even care that my one of my siblings has a Philip. I'm getting a Philip." Yeah, too. normally that's a bit of a faux pas. Nah, not in the Perkins clan. And then, oh, you've already got a Tom. Well, fuck you, I've got a Tom as well. Same surnames as well. No, no. Well, that's that's probably what got him over the line. And is yeah, it both yeah. families? Is it two Phillips and two Thomases? In so is it a Philip and a Thomas and a Philip and a, are they are there two oh, set no, siblings? Because no. that would be hilarious. It's like, oh, we've well, done it again. Well. One Philip and one Thomas are twins. Okay. So they're in the same family. So that's one sibling who went, who named her twins after nephews she already had. Two existing nephews. Yeah. <laughs> Is one of these the footballer Tom Phillips? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That's weird. That's Sometimes weird. it's easier to just say yes. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he goes, whoa, and then you can move on. Some obscure footballer. <laughs> if you say no, he'll come up with somebody else. Does Philip... Also mean like a positive for something? Oh, that's a real Philip for the, you know, the industry or something. I've never heard <laughs> Jess's that before. family, yeah. That's not a thing. I've never. Well, I'm not saying it's not a thing. I've just never heard it. Because it's. Oh uh, yeah, just. It's that's a real Philip. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm guessing like, it's a word like Philip, but it's not Philip. It sounds like a guy called Philip is really trying to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, just, that's a real Philip, wouldn't you say? I also just realised, just in my um, family's defence, that my grandfather's name was Philip. So oh, I think I think maybe yeah, him. a couple of siblings were just naming. And what? Okay, so one of them was my uncle Phil, who named his son Phil. I so that's three generations of Phil. The other one, if they wanted to make a tribute, they could have called the kid Grandpa. Exactly. Phillip's Grandpa take- and Tom. Exactly. Philip's <laughs> taken. Grandpa isn't. Tom's taken, but you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the Yanis family, who are at the hospital for a second time today. Can't believe it. Stanley and Terry Yanis were in a critical condition, and the rest of the family were being quarantined at a hospital meeting room. Along, <laughs> so they can't even be there with their no, dying because the, because they're not members. sure yeah. if they're. If they've ingested something, if it's something airborne, and the um, police, firefighters, and paramedics who had responded to the call were also in that meeting room with them. They were just keeping everybody contained until they could figure out what was going on. Wow. Fire Lieutenant Chuck Kramer was in the room and he called his friend and public health of- official, Helen Jensen. She arrived at the hospital 15 minutes later and walked into the quarantine room. The people inside marveled at her courage. I thought she'd go and talk to the doctors, but no, she came directly into the room and I couldn't believe that, Kramer said. But that's just Helen. She's brave. She sees it as a doing a job, but I really admired her. And I initially thought it was a little bit funny to like call a person brave for walking into a room. But at this stage, they have no idea that there are other similar deaths occurring elsewhere. And there's a very serious and valid concern that this is something airborne mm. and very contagious. So it was pretty ballsy of her to just sort of walk in and be like, all right, what's going on? How can I help? What are, what are we doing? <laughs> 
Oh god, I've wandered into the wrong room. Oh no. I can't okay, leave. play it cool, play it cool. <laughs> hey, what's up? How are we hey, doing? I wasn't yeah. just looking for the vending machine and I walked in here. <laughs> Sometimes it, you know, brave is one word for it, but if she's going to just drop dead, yeah. Because, I don't know if that's brave or that's sort of reckless. Yeah. I think I think often people say brave when they mean a bit reckless. Yeah. Um and that's cool. Yeah. I think cool I'm is pretty, another word I'm a pretty for reckless it. person. Nothing cooler than being reckless. Yeah. Would you, I'd, you'd say I'm a reckless person. Yeah. I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not at all a cautious nah, person. Nah, nah, Honestly, I was talking about this the other day. Uh, my driving test to get my license, um, the guy's only feedback was that I was a little bit too cautious. Wow. And I was like, you don't say, <laughs> during my test, I was a little cautious, was, was like, I? I've never given that feedback before. <laughs> And that's when I, I went through a yellow light with him and he's like, a bit cautious. I'm like, in what fucking unit? Anyway. I, I had a similar thing. I had, um, he asked me to change lanes and I was told before that sometimes I'll trick you. Oh. They'll, they'll say change lanes when there's not really enough space. So I was told, be cautious. So I'm like, sorry, I just, I don't think I've, I've got enough space. <laughs> and he got so angry. He's like, you had so much space. I like, oh, was, yeah, I thought it was a trick, so. <laughs> no matter what instruction he gave you, you said, I, I won't be doing that. Know. I'm not falling for that <laughs> okay, one. turn the engine on. I won't be doing that. Take, I was born take, yesterday. Take the next left. I'll actually be turning right. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Nice my, try. My instructor told me to do the, what, the opposite of whatever you say. <laughs> Your instructor is an idiot. Don't run that red light. Okay. <laughs> I right. know what I'm doing. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, that Helen's was good engine noise. Thank you so much. I've been practicing. I've been under your tutelage. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. It's what cars sound like. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever heard a car? Well, didn't think so. I didn't think I had until <laughs> I thought I had, but now that sounded more like a car than a car ever has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've got Helen bravely walking uh-huh. into a room. Oh, bravely! Is that what the noise she made as she walked into <laughs> the room? <laughs> Um, Pulls up. <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> she skids in. <laughs> Helen's badass. She, she opens the door Kramer style into a, into a quarantine These room. People are freaking out. Yeah. They've had the worst day of their life. She's bursting into the room. Well, there is, there is a Kramer in the room, but he's a fire lieutenant. There's someone named Kramer. Yeah, in the I've room. mentioned him several times. Yeah. He comes up a lot. Keep him, keep Kramer in your mind. Is his name Kramer, Dr. Kramer Kim? Yep. Okay. No. Okay. Um, so Adam's wife, Teresa, walked Helen through Adam's morning and the family and the family gathering that That's afternoon. That's M-O-R-N-I-N-G. His morning. Morning. Not his morning. morning. Well, he's... Adam's the, the rest of the... Adam's the one who died. <laughs> yeah, I'll walk day. you through his morning and I'll walk you through our morning. morning. In her retelling, Jensen noticed all three people had gotten sick um, had, who had gotten sick had taken Tylenol. Helen Jensen asked for two things: a key to the Yanis home and a police officer to take her there. <laughs> she was on it straight, straight away. Straight away, she put it together so quick. Bang! And then was like, "Take me to this house that everybody thinks is poisonous." So she goes. By eight p.m., she's in the house gathering items that she thought all three people could have come in contact with. So she, yeah, she was like, mm, "It's interesting they all took Tylenol," but she's also thinking like, "Is there something?" You know, just those sort of communal things. So she's taken like a pot of coffee, coffee grounds, some fruit, cake, flowers, and of course, <laughs> Tylenol. Yeah, because what they say, what's that saying? Something doesn't equal causation. Correlation. Correlation doesn't mean causation. Because that like, 
that would be someone who just goes, oh, it's obviously that. Yeah, yeah, and they could be wrong. There could be many things. So she's sort of like, okay, what are the kind of things that they all might have had access to or all might have ingested, eaten, whatever? She's like Mulder and Scully She's mushed great. together. She is. But also, can I just point out, that's some of the worst quarantining procedure I've ever heard of. Well, she just bails. She's walked in there and gone, great, awesome, I've hung out with all of you, now I'm going back <laughs> yeah, out I'm going the back, world. I'm going back to the house where you all just came from. <laughs> and I'll probably come back here. And I'm taking a cop with me. This, yeah. <laughs> this the is, cop's like, do I have to come in? <laughs> yeah, oh. Can I wait in the car? <laughs> this is very Mulder technique as well. He's always fingering things on crime scenes. Oh, my. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Fox. Stop touching the evidence. Well, it's so funny you say that because, I mean, this is the 80s and a lot of the police officers and stuff, in hindsight, talking about it now, were like, we weren't wearing gloves. Right. So when they're trying to dust for prints and stuff, it's a bit of a nightmare because everybody's just like, oh, here's the Tylenol bottle, getting (laughs) their hands all over it, throwing it to their friend. (laughs) Just, just licking it. Yeah. Just, just threw it like basketball style. <laughs> how, do you, how do you throw things to your friend? You tried to throw your keys to Matt before. It was a, a com- disaster, wasn't they it? have a competition just to try and throw them in the bin. Oh. <laughs> Three-point line. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> They're very respectful on a murder scene. So she found the bottle of Tylenol and also, conveniently, she found the receipt because they just oh, bought it. Great. She's going to try and get a refund. <laughs> um, this killed three people. <laughs> I think we should get at least a partial refund. I want a replacement. I want to store credit, please. <laughs> so she checks inside the bottle and there's 44 capsules left. It's a 50 um, bottle. Oh, these are the capsules that are you can pull apart. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they're, they're the gelatin capsules. So it's like, you know, the Panadol ones are green on one side and white on the other. I think these are red and white. And yeah, you can pull them apart. Right. Um, Tamper so, with them and put them back exactly together. Exactly right. So there's oh. 44 left. So that added up. Three adults had taken two each and the three of them had had the same awful experience afterwards. So she returned to the hospital where she found a representative from the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office in a conference room and she placed the bottle down and said it had to be the Tylenol that linked these three cases. Oh, that's got to be badass. But remember, this is the early 80s and she's just a nurse. So her advice was immediately met with scepticism. No. Straight away, they're like, mm, Helen, is it? I don't know. Because I was imagining she puts the bottle down and just goes, there's a killer right there. And everyone goes. And then the who plays. (laughs) She puts her sunnies on, walks out as the the hospital explodes Explodes behind her. That's a whole new thing. Another job well done. (laughs) Several resources mentioned that she literally had to stomp her feet and yell in order to be heard. And even then she was brushed off. Yeah, I, I can imagine people like brushing you off when you're stomping your feet and yelling. It's a Tylenol! Whoa, whoa, Helen. Helen, <laughs> We're baby. trying to figure this out. <laughs> Helen, come and on. Like, and this guy in the corner, Fox, he reckons it's a demon. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go with him. We're going to go with the demon guy. So yeah, she went home pretty frustrated um, and sort of being like, I'm a, just a nurse. And well, they're not going to listen to me, but that's what I think it is. Even so, though I had a tantrum. No, <laughs> through a tantrum. Did you have a headache? Don't tell me she she's headache. She's fine. She's okay. Thank goodness. So around the same time at 8.45pm, 35-year-old United flight attendant Paula Prince landed at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. One of her good friends and colleagues, Jean uh, Regular Levengood, incredible name. Sorry. What? <laughs> Sorry. Jean Regular Levengood? Regular Levengood. <laughs> That's, they've made that up on the spot. Uh, uh, R-E-G-U-L-A, regular or regular? I'm regular Levengood. <laughs> I'm, um, yeah, regular door frame uh, handle. This is my friend. It's a beautiful uh, Chris, is that Italian? My friend Chris Extra Strong. 
Tylenol. <laughs> Capsule. So I'm what I'm guessing is about to happen is someone's gonna die because they didn't listen to Helen. Uh no, this is all happening around the same time. Okay. Helen so Helen was at the house at eight eight. This is eight forty five. So it's all happening around so the same time. So it would have been time. hard to get the word out exactly for people right. to stop stop eating Tylenol. So, uh, yeah, Paula Prince, she, she lands and her friend and colleague lives in the same condo building as Paula. And so she's like, oh, I'll check to see when she's arriving. We can go, you know, travel home together. She checks the flight board and she sees that Jean uh, isn't landing for another hour or so. So she just left her a note to say she was heading home. It says, let's meet for a drink later, Prince wrote. I have exciting news to tell you. On the way home, Paula stopped at Walgreens for a few things, including, you guessed it, a bottle of extra strength Tylenol. While taking off her makeup, she paused to take a single Tylenol capsule from the new bottle, despite there already being an open bottle in her travel bag. No! Because she was at home alone, it wasn't until two days later that Leavengood and Prince's sister would find her body. Shit. And this is from the Chicago Tribune article again. At Prince's funeral, a man approached Leavengood and introduced himself. He said he'd met Prince during a recent layover in Las Vegas and they'd fallen immediately madly in love. He said they planned to marry. He was Paula Prince's exciting news. Oh, it's tragic. It's so tragic. This article points out so many small details that are so brutal. Like that just hurts and that Stanley wanted to go home, but his mum's like, no, 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 come back to Adam's place. Um, and that Paula had another presumably safe bottle of Tylenol that she could have had. There's a lot of like sliding doors moments where if they something had happened slightly differently, you know. If they, I think about fine. those moments too much, oh, I, I panic and it, then I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. But maybe if you didn't panic then, you would have done something else that would have been the wrong call. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Panicking may have just saved your life. Thank you. You ever think about that? Yes. So Paula bought her Tylenol around nine fifteen p.m. So we're so we're not so, and so we're now at about ten p.m. the same day, 29th of September, nineteen eighty two. After hours in quarantine, firefighter Kramer heard from Doctor Kim that Stanley Yanis had been pronounced dead, and Terry was on life support with no chance of recovery. Oof. So this family's lost two sons, and and a daughter in law is she's gonna die as well in the same day. Oh, and they were all there. Yeah. It happened too. Awful. Dr. Kim said he thought the deaths were most likely caused by something they'd ingested and was trying to find a poison expert to help him find out more. Careful not to rule out environmental factors, doctors admitted the Yanis family for overnight observation. And this is another one of those little details that this um, article just really hits you. Like Joseph Yanis, um, the older brother, shared a room with his sister Sophia and the siblings passed a sleepless night, afraid they wouldn't wake up if they fell asleep. I was just looking at my sister and she was looking at me to see if we were still alive, he said. I thought we were going to die too. Because they'd have no idea. Oh, you'd be grieving, you're terrified. Your siblings have just died, you have no idea why. And you're like, is there something in the house that's going to kill us as well? Terrifying. On the way back to the firehouse, Lieutenant Kramer notified dispatchers via radio that his station would be out of commission until further notice. He told... So the, the family had to quarantine in the hospital, but all of the first responders were told to go home, but they had to like deep clean the trucks and, you know, like try to make sure just in case that it wasn't anything on them. So he's like, don't send us any uh, jobs for a bit. We need, we're off, we're offline. Shortly after that, his phone rang. It was a friend of his and a fellow Arlington Heights fire lieutenant, Phil Capitelli. 
Capitelli asked what was up and what had happened that would cause an entire station to shut down because he'd heard it on the radio. Kramer told him about the family and their mysterious illness. They didn't have anything in common, Kramer told his colleague, except that they'd each taken Tylenol. This information clicked with Capitelli. His mother-in-law worked with the 12-year-old Mary Kellerman's mother and he had heard about her death earlier that day. He told Kramer about his inquiry into Mary Kellerman's sudden death and that she'd also taken Tylenol moments before collapsing. Wow. Oh my God, it just hits you, Kramer recalled. Someone is out there indiscriminately poisoning people. So they've put it together in the first like 12 hours. People yeah, are, wow. Which is rare in these sorts of stories. You know, it's often like ages later, they're like, ah, oh, but now they're like really quickly putting it together. Mm, but I guess there's that, that chance thing that he seemed to know both parties. Exactly. Amazing. Exactly. Massive city and with it's, millions of people. It's Capitelli's day off and he's just listening into the radio anyway, as he was known to do. Happens to hear the first one and like, you know, his mother-in-law knows the the mother of the daughter. You know, it's... Mm. Capitelli, a bit of a radio listener. Yeah. <laughs> known for it. <laughs> known for it. Um, yeah, crazy. So Kramer then called the Elk Grove Village Fire Department and spoke with a paramedic who had treated Mary Kellerman. Through their conversation, Kramer learnt that Mary Kellerman's symptoms were the same as the Yanis's. So he called the hospital and confirmed what Helen Jensen had been trying to tell people. There's something wrong with the Tylenol. Now, Dr. Kim had treated cases of acetaminophen poisoning before, but this wasn't that. He consulted with several poisoning experts and scoured his old medical school textbooks. He paced back and forth in his office, thinking and ruling out various causes. In the end, there was only one substance that he could think of that killed people so rapidly after being ingested. Cyanide. Oh dear. His hospital couldn't test for cyanide at that time, so he found a 24-hour lab in Highland Park. He put two vials of blood, one belonging to Stanley, the other to Terry, in a cab and gave the driver instructions on where to take them. So put him in a cab. Wow. <laughs> Just sitting on the front seat next to him. Yeah, and the cab driver's like... Buckle up. <laughs> Meanwhile, an Elk Grove Village police officer brought the Tylenol bottle from the Kellerman home to the hospital and gave it to Nicholas Pishos, an investigator with the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. Pishos already had the bottle left by Helen Jensen. Both bottles had the same lot number, like same batch. Pishos called his boss, Dr. Edmund Donahue, Deputy Chief Medical Examiner for Cook County. Donahue, who was at home, told him to open one of the bottles and smell inside. Anyone know what smell we might be looking for? Oh, is it almonds? It is almonds. I was going to guess cyanide. <laughs> Which smells like? Cyanide. Cyanide. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't really know what almonds. Probably both correct. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> yeah, he's not what wrong. Is this an, we're starting to think it's a nut allergy thing. It's a nut allergy thing, yeah. But just almonds. Just this is a, how, a high class nut. This is how we discovered that um, people can be allergic to nuts. Before that, we had no idea. Whoa. <laughs> we, as humans. When Pishos poured out the capsules, he caught a strong almond scent. Mm, I mean, that's hard to resist. <laughs> the second bottle produced the same bitter smell. Donahue's suspicion was confirmed. He knew instantly the odour was cyanide, a notorious and rapid-acting poison that cuts off oxygen to red blood cells. The almond odour isn't always present, and even when it does exist, it's discernible by only about 60% of the population. Right. So imagine if Pishos had been part of the 40% that couldn't smell it anyway. Oh, yeah. Then we wouldn't, you know, they'd still be, they'd have to be testing things, but he was like, oh, almond. And they're like, that's cyanide, baby. <laughs> it's crazy. Again, it's one of those other, it's another time where it's like, what if he hadn't been able to smell it? And what if, it's crazy. Mm. 
Donahue called Michael Schaefer, the county's chief toxologist, and asked him to come to the morgue and run tests on the confiscated Tylenol capsules. Tests would show that four of the 44 remaining capsules in the Yanis's bottle contained cyanide. Only four. Oh, so that new bottle she opened, it was even... It wasn't all cyanide. Oh, oh my God. I guess, yeah, whoever did it, it would take forever to do it. Mm. So they just put, put six on top. So even the fact that they all happened in the same day is pretty yeah. wild, right? It could yeah. have just slowly happened over months and then they would it would have been a lot harder to put together yeah, exactly. if they were happening more Harder to to yeah link it to something mm. tests would show that yeah 44 uh contained cyanide four of the 44 sorry records indicate each capsule had between 550 and 610 milligrams of the poison nearly three times the amount needed to kill someone so it's strong as well shit in the early hours of September 30, a technician from the 24-hour lab in Highland Park called Dr. Kim to tell him that her tests had found massive amounts of cyanide in Stanley and Terry's blood. So it confirmed that it was cyanide poisoning and from the Tylenol. With so many of these stories, it often takes ages for authorities to figure out that there's any link, um, like we were saying before. Um, but already some very savvy and dedicated medical professionals and first responders had pieced it together very quickly but now it was a case of getting the info out to more people the first news related to the tylenol poisoning broke when a reporter for the city news bureau um a famed chicago news organization that operated 24 hours a day (laughs) it was oprah published a bulletin the bulletin, based on a tip received by overnight editor Rick Bart, didn't mention specifically Tylenol. Um, and the City News reporter John Flynn Rooney, what a good name, couldn't get anyone to confirm those details. But they, they essentially, they um, that they got a tip. I think I had it written somewhere. They essentially had a tip that like a headache medication. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they couldn't get them to confirm that it's Tylenol. But um, the editor, Rick Bart, recognised that this was potentially very dangerous to the public and he urged his reporter, Rooney, to keep digging. Bart also called his best friend in the middle of the night because he knew that his friend took Tylenol for his knee each morning and so he warned his friend, skip it, don't take Tylenol tomorrow morning. Um, All I could think was how many more people could be at risk if the news didn't get out by morning, Bart said. So shortly before sunrise, Rooney managed to nail down the story and at around 5.30am... City News reported that the medical examiner's office was attributing three deaths to an unnamed headache remedy and a news conference would be held later that morning. Um, And there's this detail in the Chicago Tribune article again. The story was immediately picked up by local radio stations, including the one Helen Jensen's husband listened to before work. When he heard the news, he woke up his wife. You were right, he told her. It's on the radio. It's the Tylenol. So she was right. She was right. Unfortunately, she needed a couple more men to confirm it before anybody believed her. But still, at least it wasn't days, weeks, months mm, until she was finally yeah. proven right. It was like hours. So she, yeah, she, she was got right it on really it. quick. Yeah, it's so funny that they they gave her keys and a police officer, and still didn't listen. Still didn't listen to her. I thought. I thought. Oh, she's well, that was the fire lieutenant who gave her the got some authority. But yeah, yeah they didn't. Yeah, jeez. The you know the what, county. What what were they thinking? Oh, who knows? She. It sounds like she, she had put could, it she all together. Put it together. She could spell it out. Yeah. But they were like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Did they call her sugar tits or anything? Probably, yeah. All right, sugar tits. Okay. We go from here. Okay, sweetheart. 
I'll have a black coffee on your way out, thanks. So the same morning the news broke, stores began pulling the pain reliever from their shelves and public health departments went door to door with flyers warning people about potentially poisonous capsules. Police officers drove through streets using bullhorns to order people to throw out their Tylenol. So they acted very quickly. Two honks means throw out your Tylenol. <laughs> we all beep, know. Beep. Oh, no. Oh, Yeah, the Tylenol. <laughs> this effort proved to be life-saving as three other tainted Tylenol bottles were found this way and no other lives were lost after those first wow. 24 hours. Whoa. That is an amazing, well, you know, horrible start. But Awful. What a, the system's... And the end worked so well. Yeah. But of course, the question remained, how did this happen? And who is responsible? The other question was, who's in charge of this investigation? The deaths had occurred in different areas of Illinois and different police departments were looking into the mysterious deaths. Illinois Attorney General Ty Fainer was notified of the deaths and although each county has its own state attorney to oversee the case and the Attorney General has no authority to intervene, uh, Fainer was a well-liked leader and the Illinois State Police wanted him to help. So he left an event he was at immediately and made phone His calls. Daughter's ballet <laughs> His daughter's ballet recital. <laughs> everyone's getting up from She's this like, recital. Dad. Uh, yeah, everyone's at the same recital. It's brutal. I want to see this as a film, but it starts as just like some kids practicing for their ballet recital and then it finally gets to the big performance <laughs> and everyone's dad leaves. <laughs> and then it turns into a really gritty crime yeah. drama. That's what I want. Yeah, what a beepers. Can I play Helen what Jensen? You're doing oh yeah, you could be. You'd be great, Helen Jensen. I'd be a great sugar tits. I can. I can picture you stomping those feet. Yeah, yeah. because I do that often. Listen, when you won't listen to me, I listen, stomp my feet. Listen to my report. I go, boys, <laughs> listen. Stomp my little feet. It works every All time. Right, Jess, All just, right, Jess. All right. I'll have a tea with two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two what? Two what? Two what? Uh, Tylenol. <laughs> You want some cyanide in your tea? No problem. So, yeah, he left this event, made some phone calls through the drive home. He had a car phone. Pretty sick. Oh, wow. I love their curly little antennas. Yeah. Do you remember those car phones that had a little, pig, little pig's tail <laughs> antenna at the back? I don't remember that. Yeah. That's fun. Adorable. <laughs> it's like cars were pigs little for piggies. a little while. Little piggies. Oink, oink. <laughs> it's like cars were pigs. <laughs> yeah. It was the 80s. It was wild. <laughs> Little piggy cars. <laughs> By the time he'd reached his house in Evanston, he was the de facto leader of what had quickly become the country's highest profile case. He ordered his staff to work through the night, calling local police, sheriff, coroners, the FBI, the FDA, prosecutors and public health officials. He also laid the foundation to get extra strength Tylenol off store shelves statewide, going beyond the single batch of the pain relievers manufacturer had recalled that day. So the manufacturer is like, okay, we... We'll find, you know, that batch. Let's get rid of that. And he's like, get rid of all fucking rid of Tylenol. All. Yeah. Actually, burn down every chemist. Yeah, just, just to case. be safe. <laughs> Tests were run and confirmed that Mary Kellerman and Mary Reiner had suffered the same fate as the Yanis's cyanide poisoning. So it was they're like, very quickly they're piecing together that uh, the, the Yanis family, it was the Tylenol that had poisoned them and that uh, it was Tylenol for the other people as well. So they have put it together quite quickly. Can I just, Joanne, if I ask Dave... Who he thinks? Who's your big suspect at the moment? Probably a disgruntled employee at Tylenol, something like that. Oh, you, you think so? I think it might be Rick Tylenol. Oh, okay. okay. Trying to crash his own stock so he can buy low 
and then sell high. Oh, and that's it, brave. Yeah, that is very brave because mm. I don't think this is a good PR for Tylenol. Yeah, but he was a cowboy, Rick. Yeah. So crazy, it just might work. Okay, Matt, any theories? Dave oh. said Rick Tylenol. I'm wondering if it's maybe like a disgruntled employee okay. on the factory floor or something. Or um... I'm literally looking at the world disgruntled employee no. in front of me. In brackets, Rick Tylenol? <laughs> no, Rick Tylenol is not mentioned. Fuck. Yet. <laughs> We're going to crack the case. <laughs> He's still at the ballet recital. <laughs> he <laughs> the hasn't one, left yet. The one person left. He doesn't have a pager, so... <laughs> The White House ordered the FBI to be involved in the investigation amid growing public panic. FBI Special Agent Roy Lane Jr. was one of several investigators who gathered to brainstorm possible motives behind the crime. Um, There was about 10, 15 different avenues of investigation to pursue, like disgruntled employees, (gasps) former employees, lawsuits, customers who had a problem, anybody that could make some money out of it. So there's a lot. I think I read... Money to be made. I didn't include it in the report, but I read that there was like a team of female agents that were set up to like answer the phone. There was like a hotline set up for people to... Um, they put the hot in hotline because they were women. People... <laughs> Jesus and we're, how hot are women? <laughs> how hot are women? Um, am I right, fellas? <laughs> That's new catchphrase. How hot are women? women. women. He is the feminist of the pod. You're always reaching for a high five. You guys ever seen a hot woman? I like every woman. I love them all. How hot are women? (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I suppose you are supporting women kind of. Kind of. I mean, we're sort of reclaimed. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, so so yeah, there was this. There was a hotline set up. There were people taking calls. They were getting thousands uh, of tips. That's always a nightmare, though, isn't it? Because right. you get people being like, "I saw Graham across the road last night, and mm-hmm. then I didn't see him till this morning." Yeah, what was he the, doing? The yeah. What was Graham beef? doing? Yeah, there was like, a lot, okay. and then it was sort of they, they. This article interviews one woman whose job it was to sort of filter through all this, all these tips, and like discard ones that were obviously nonsense and keep the ones that like agents should actually look into. For example, Demon. Demon. They're like, Fox ah. Mulder's like, yep, I'll be right there. I'm going to put that on the maybe pile <laughs> and I'm going to hand this one off he's first. He's n- nearly never wrong. <laughs> no, never like 99% wrong. of the time he's spot on. But it wouldn't that be, a, it would be a mini, there would be very, sh- it'd be a web series of like five minute episodes if people listen to him at the start, you know, because yes. he calls it so quickly. That's true. So you gotta you gotta be like nah, and then he's right. All right, right again. Yeah, when will they learn? Among the earliest priorities was twenty four hour surveillance outside the victims' homes, on the assumption that someone who killed anonymously would want to see the results of their work and might drive by the house. Following the same theory, investigators took pictures of everyone who attended the victims' funerals and set up time lapse cameras at grave sites to see if they could capture anyone acting unusual. Agents interviewed the victims' families, neighbours, co-workers and friends about any known enemies. I mean, one of them was a 12-year-old girl, so... (laughs) So the list was long. Many enemies. Each person underwent a rigorous background check. Relatives, including two who took polygraph tests, were quickly eliminated from suspicion. So, like, okay, it's not... It's not any relatives. Not Auntie Jill. Hopefully not based on the polygraphs, aren't they? They've been debunked as... Have they? Yeah, aren't they bullshit? Probably. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, trying to discredit it. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, these are bullshit anyway. That's Matt really determined it's not to take It's going off the scale. <laughs> this whole time we, we wear them every week. <laughs> Just to keep us honest. Just to, 
<laughs> on this silly little podcast. Yeah. I think that's dumb. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. So, yeah, so it's funny that they're thinking enemies because it feels like it was quite random. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gonna... Yeah, if it was just that one family, with just that one bottle, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, 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 like yeah. This 12-year-old girl yep. isn't related to... The woman who's come to her apartment. And they're all spread the out. From like, the it's all yeah. around the Chicago area. They're, they're close-ish to each other, but, like, you know, it's it's quite widespread. Investigators quickly dismissed the possibility that the killer was targeting a single victim, obviously, because there were seven victims. you do it to target one, and then to cover your tracks, you kill the others. Okay. Uh, yeah. Spoken like a true serial killer, David. Exactly. Thank you. Interesting. Well, I don't think she meant that as a compliment. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, I don't want to talk to you. Did you mean that as a compliment? I meant as a compliment. Oh, sorry. Thank Apologies. you. And also, how hot are women? Oh, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, the polygraph. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not that they've uh, dismissed that it, the killer was targeting a single victim and um, the other bottles were contaminated to make it harder to solve that murder. So essentially what you're saying, Dave, it's like they're, they're going, no, it's not that somebody's killing one person and trying to cover up their tracks. Oh, okay. Authorities were convinced that the killer didn't know any of the victims. In keeping with that theory, the task force con- contacted hospitals to ask about anyone treated for poison burns or symptoms in case the killer became ill or injured during the spree. So maybe in, like, you know, accidentally ingested some of the cyanide or whatever <laughs> fell over fell over got a scraped knee <laughs> yeah everyone in the hospital is a suspect oh a sprained ankle interesting uh, ever heard of cyanide <laughs> <Yeah>. no <laughs> <laughs> would I be a good cop yeah <laughs> yeah you'd be terrifying do you reckon <laughs> ever heard of cyanide what the hell are you talking but about but I would also I would conduct all of my interrogations at a gym where I'd just be leg pressing yeah. and keep the eye contact with them yeah, the way, when you were just acting that out before, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but your eyes were wide open and unblinking. Yeah, I do that while I leg press, <laughs> just so they know how strong my legs are. And your lids. <laughs> I got great lid control. I, never go, come down. I can go a good 30 seconds without blinking, if mm. I want to. <laughs> how hot are women? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, one, actually, one more thing. One final question. How hot are women? <laughs> Very correct. Okay. You're off the list. Investigated pu- investigators pulled library records to see who had checked out books on cyanide. They're really... They are. They're trying everything. They're looking for an idiot. And they talked to vets about any unusual animal poisonings, thinking that the murderer may have tested chemicals on pets first. Oh, wow. Which I guess, you know, a lot of serial killers and stuff uh, kill animals. So that's not a bad theory, but it didn't really... Uh, didn't really pull much up for them. <laughs> that sounds like whoever came up with the theory defending it. Yeah. Okay, I didn't come up with anything, but it's not a bad theory. It's not, a bad it's not bad. It was worth a try. Yeah. Well, right. Oh, it wasn't worth a crack. Okay. Okay. Fine. All right. All right. Greg, what are your ideas? Yeah, I didn't hear. I didn't. I haven't heard your ideas, Greg. I didn't hear a fucking peep out of you, Greg. Yeah, Greg. Jesus Fuck, Christ. you're an asshole, Greg. <laughs> you used to be my friend. In an attempt to paint a more detailed portrait of the killer, the FBI turned to a relatively new technique at the time called criminal profiling. Oh, Mulder's great at this. Mm. The Tylenol case marked one of the earliest uses of this approach. Investigators assumed the culprit was a man, though records indicate they didn't automatically rule out anyone based on gender. So assuming they're a man, not actually helpful or relevant. (laughs) I think Scully's also very good at it. Right. Criminal profiling. What a combo. Wow. She often writes in her little diary. Wait, is she? Yeah. But Mulder also or not? 
Yeah, yeah, they're both good at it. I, yeah, I thought. You I... know where they where they do a lot of profiling? Criminal Minds. Oh, oh yes. I enjoyed that show early on, but then some of the stuff was a bit effed up for me. Really, okay. a bit mm. too effed up for your sick yeah. little brain. Yeah, that's right. Wow, so you know it's sick. <laughs> There was a, there was a cop show that was all about profiles. Yeah, it's Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. That was my little joke there. I thought I think there was a, is that the English one? <laughs> no. No. There's probably m- more than one, I guess. You're thinking of the Bill. <laughs> Reg, one of the greatest <laughs> profiles. Reg. <laughs> well, I've uh, done a short course in my time off, and uh, now I think I can. Do a bit of profiling. I think I know who nicked two bob worth of mixed lollies down the off license. <laughs> it was that kid over there. That's it, fella. You're nicked. What a great show. I, I love that show. Me too. It was, the, it was one of the, you know, how t- daytime TV sucked. And that was a little little bit of a bright oh, spot. Bright spot. Sunhill. What a place. Take me back. Mm. That's it, you're nicked. <laughs> you're nicked, you toilet. You're nicked, you toilet. Sun Hill. The least sunny place on the planet. And the sun ever shone on that show. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, do go on. So they, yeah, they're, um, they're not ruling anybody out, but it's, they think it's probably a man because studies have found that women who kill use poison more often than men do. But they typically target people they know. Okay. <laughs> How Women. hot. Women. Vindictive. <laughs> Male murderers are more likely in general to kill randomly and on a larger scale. Is that okay. true? Women so, just kill, like, people who have wronged them. Settling but, scores. But That's with right. poison. With poison so, so more often. It really is in its infancy, isn't it? This, this, this profile. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be anyone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're thinking even or, either a woman or a man. Uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, just got a note here. How hot are women? How hot are women? <laughs> so I guess maybe it couldn't have been a woman. No. They're so hot. Yeah. The profilers predicted the culprit's past likely included treatment for mental health issues and an attack on his parents. I don't know why. He also would have likely had a history of animal cruelty. So they've got like they've got like some bullet points of what they're sort of looking for. About a week after the deaths, a handwritten letter was sent to Johnson & Johnson, the manufacturers. Oh. It read, Gentlemen, as you can see, it is easy to place cyanide, both potassium and sodium, into capsules sitting on store shelves. And since the cyanide is inside the gelatin, it is easy to get buyers to swallow the bitter pill. Another beauty is that cyanide operates quickly. It takes so very little, and there will be no time to take countermeasures. If you don't mind the publicity of these little capsules, then do nothing. So far, I have spent less than $50 and it takes me less than 10 minutes per bottle. If you want to stop the killing, then wire $1 million to this bank account. Right. So it was all for the cash. All for that sweet, sweet cash. Mm. Or is someone just trying to take advantage? Well, step in. Interesting. Bloody hell, you two would be a great crime duo in that you do most of the work, Dave, but Matt... Okay. Matt, <laughs> Matt, oh, Matt uh, walks talks. around going, ah. ah yeah, and supports women. Matt has an idea. Dave says the opposite. Matt goes, yes, <laughs> Dave, yes. Okay, I think that's uh, that's probably reduced some of the work I've done on this case uh, down to just the ums and ahs. But yeah, that's right. Fair enough. In fairness, I thought it was Rick Tylenol. Hey, we still don't know that it's not With Rick exactly, Tylenol. Exactly, exactly. I'm hoping you know one way or Matt the Matt thinks there's disgruntled employees. I'm making this up as I go. Um, Matt, can I just ask you a question, though? Who's hot? 
Mm, it's hard to put a finger on it, but let me just say, if we're speaking broadly, mm. I'm going to go with women. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> so Johnson & Johnson, they're obviously very concerned, of course. Um, both of them are? Johnson & Johnson, both. Um, they're worried this is a legit letter and that the culprit would continue to poison medication. So they're willing to pay the ransom, but the FBI says, no, 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 hold off. <laughs> Instead, turning their attention to finding the letter writer. Eventually, they trace the letter to a man named James William Lewis. The bank account details were linked to a business that his wife had previously worked for. Apparently, the last paycheck had bounced due to a lack of funds in the business account, and Lewis had provided those bank details, hoping to get some revenge on his wife's former employer when the money entered his bank account, therefore implicating him in the murder of seven people. Oh my God, James, you psycho. Absolute psycho. Evidence suggested Lewis and his wife had left Chicago for New York around a month before the deaths, and therefore it was very unlikely he was responsible. He also, he owned up to writing the letter, but said, i got nothing to do with the murders. He was essentially, uh, he'd had this idea that this is something he would do when an opportunity arose, and these poisonings happened a couple of months or a month later. So as in like, he, he planned to poison people? He planned to uh, fuck his, his oh, uh, like ex Right. His wife's ex-employer. Oh, yeah, her. pretend to extort. Yeah, yeah. He, he was just hoping Dwayne to frame... Dick Johnson. He just wanted to frame them. Yeah, he just wanted to get revenge James, on them. you diabolical. Uh, he was, That's however... Dastardly, that absolutely. Plan. That's maybe one of the most dastardly plans I've heard. It's pretty dastardly. He was, however, arrested, tried and convicted for extortion and sentenced to 10 years in jail. Oh, my God. For that letter. That'll show him. That'll show the old boss. Jesus. Another suspect was a man named Roger Arnold, who worked in a factory with the father of one of the victims, Mary Reiner. While drinking at a bar one night, he started to discuss his theories on the case and stated that cyanide wasn't even that hard to get your hands on. In fact, he had some back at his place. (laughs) I've got some right here. The owner of the bar, a man named Marty Sinclair, found this to be suspicious and he reported Roger Arnold to police. Police searched Arnold's home, finding weapons and chemicals, but no cyanide. With no connection between Arnold and the poisonings, officers charged him with a weapons violation and also for an outstanding warrant for an assault and let him go. So who is the th- one thing he said wasn't even true. Yeah, yeah I got cyanide. I got cyanide. He's just a blowhard oh, at the bar. Oh, but he no. had all sorts of other weird shit. He's just a loser. And you just don't you think you can trust the the bar the the guy behind the bar? Not if exactly. you're talking about a really high profile high profile. I reckon there should be some sort of like client confidentiality. Confidentiality, yeah. yeah. At a bar. Yeah, exactly. It's like talking to a priest. I think you might be siding with the wrong person if you um, just let me get to the that, next sentence. That bar dogged him. Okay. Okay. Tell me about it. Well, the media attention caused him to have a bit of a nervous breakdown. And in the summer of the following year, he shot and killed John uh, Stanisher, who was a computer consultant who was leaving a bar with friends whom he mistook for Marty Sinclair. So he planned the barman. to go and shoot the bar owner oh. for ratting him out and instead shot the wrong person. He is hopeless. <laughs> Can't even get murder right. He was oh, con- man, that's He awful. was convicted of the killing and served 15 years of his 30-year sentence for second-degree murder. So awful and so, so sad. Yeah, that's grim. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The investigation continued and authorities tried many different approaches to find the person responsible for the death of seven people. In early 1983, at the FBI's request, this is crazy, Chicago Tribune columnist Bob Green published the address and grave location of the first and youngest victim, Mary Kellerman. The story, written with the Kellerman family's consent, was proposed by the FBI criminal analyst John Douglas on the theory that the perpetrator might visit the house or gravesite if he were made aware of its locations. Okay. Right. Like, you don't think that he or she, the murderer, wouldn't probably be able to just find out? Yeah. You think they're sitting back going, huh, I wish there was a way to find out who the victims were. I guess I'll never know. I I can't. Oh, it's been published in the newspaper. I'm assuming the cri- address, criminals can find out things like that. Yeah, the address and also like which cemetery. Very strange. Um, and then uh, both sites were kept under 24-hour video surveillance for several months, but nothing came of I it. I reckon if I was a criminal mastermind, I would definitely not think that was a trap. <laughs> but okay. That's actually really convenient. They published that information in the fine print. It said, and don't worry, it will not be surveilled. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you'll have complete and utter privacy. You get get to the the grave site, and there's like a big net above it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that's for and and below it, but that's covered in leaves. But (laughs) the leaves have blown off of it. You can see it's a it's a pit, and there's a tiger down there. (laughs) It's gonna really get (laughs) you. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. They were just like they were quite desperate. They were trying everything. There was just um, so many different kind of, I don't know, accusations or suspects. A surveillance photo of Paula Prince purchasing cyanide-tampered Tylenol at um, a supermarket was released by the Chicago Police Department. Police believed that a bearded man seen just feet behind Prince may be the killer. Look, I don't know why you're both looking at me. I, I think, yeah, what year was this? 
1982? Yeah, I shaved my beard that year. Oh, okay. That was your one beardless year for the last few decades. No, I've had other beardless years. What years? I once shaved for a friend's wedding. What year was that? My question wasn't what are the events. It was what year? That was this millennium. Did you shave for a friend's wedding and you turned up and they're like, who the hell is that? Yeah, people made fun of me all day. They said I look like Millhouse because I had glasses. Ah, yeah. (laughs) And I got this haircut that morning and it's a very funny looking haircut. Hey, Everything you got the about dad. It's... The dad looks like you, Poindexter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, my, I feel good. My, I feel good at this wedding. My mum had like... <laughs> hey, it's Millhouse. <laughs> mum had long hair, like really long brown hair down to like her waist, got it permed the day of the wedding. So she had like really short Kelly. Her dad's like, who is that? <laughs> what the hell? I Wrong church lady. <laughs> You're making like a wild decision with yeah, all the... Very I mean, bold. No, for my wedding, I obviously don't want to represent myself like I normally look. No, no, no I want to look completely different. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so who's this red bearded man? It's <laughs> I never said red. Okay. Um. So yeah, there was just a guy, Uh. I think behind her, yeah, behind her in the line. And they sort of thought maybe he was... Kelly don't know what that was based on, but they were like, oh, maybe him. <laughs> he just looks sus. But nothing ever came of that theory okay. either. All right. Yeah. And so Matt got away with it. Oh, look, I just happen to be also be buying something from the chemist. Uh, newspaper, uh, some jelly beans, and this 20-pack of giant d- dingers, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some extra sh- strong uh, Tylenol and extra large dingers. <laughs> I, had a fr- I had a friend once. Go into like a, I think it was a Seven Eleven. It was late at night to buy to buy dingers, and which are condoms. Condoms for people that and they're, they're who, who haven't had sex. They're often behind the counter, but not always. So he like had a bit of a look around, couldn't see them anywhere, and was like, you know what? I'm not going to be embarrassed about this. It's a perfectly natural thing to do. Walks up to the counter and says, "Hey, mate, uh, can I get some condoms?" And the guy just pointed over to a shelf <laughs> yeah. that he hadn't seen. He's like, "Yeah, you can help yourself. I don't. Mate, have you don't need to announce. I don't it. care." Can I please have sex? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm going to have sex now. One sex, please. (laughs) That was pretty funny. You know, trying to like being like, you know what? Let's not be be children about it. It's not a big deal. I'll just ask. Oh, they're right there. My bad. Okay. Pretty funny. (laughs) So yeah, a few different theories about the like who this killer could be. Is it somebody you know in surveillance? Then there there also wasn't uh, like the surveillance cameras everywhere now. This is back in the eighties. There was less. Even in shops and stuff, it tended to just be maybe one camera and it was on staff, not like on the on the general public. <laughs> they didn't trust staff in the 80s. Didn't trust them. I thought they were going to steal from the till. So they're trying a bunch of different things. And the identity of the killer remained a mystery for 40 years. <gasps> what? In fact, it remains a mystery oh, to no! this day. <laughs> oh, you totally got me. I thought you were about to say that that recent article had said. Because that 40 years would be now. this year. It's, Holy it's shit. Now. It's still a mystery. Still a mystery. Well, you know what this show does? Oh, yeah. It weeds them out. Somehow, yeah. whenever we... Give it a few months yeah. and this killer will be... Always something happens. It'll either be the killer will be revealed or they'll make a movie or about Zac it. Or Zac Efron yeah. will play the killer. Right. They're the two options. And yeah, it's it's as we're recording this on the 29th, it's 40 years today. Wow. What? Today. 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 At the time of recording. And that's just a freak coincidence. Yeah. That this happened to be voted as the eighth most popular topic. That's it. That we had to record today. Yeah. Wow. And the the, uh, two-part article I mentioned was only two parts out at the time of recording. There was more coming. 
So it probably there probably will be a bit of press around it because it's 40 years. So it is going to be one of those situations where we do a topic and then people are seeing it a lot in the media. But yeah, give it a couple of months. Wow. But do you think like part killer. three of this story will solve it and you'll have to come back next week and, and say, be like, actually, actually, we do know how it is. <laughs> Patreon bonus episode. Yeah, that's right. We uh, killer announced. We have an update. Wow. Um, yeah, it's still a mystery. Oh, and that's... I got you. I got you there. Absolutely. Yeah. I was yes. thinking, holy shit. I was really hoping there was going to be someone paying for this. No, no satisfying yeah, Matt, conclusion. Matt was just hoping that someone was going to take the fall for him. No, yeah. that's a ridiculous God, you're thing a to dog. say. dog. A murdering you dog. You love I don't dogs. like murdering ones. Yeah, we like nice dogs. We like nice doggies. Not killer dogs. Not bad doggies. <laughs> what do, who do you think of as a bad dog? You. A hound? No. You. Okay. You and you alone. So, yeah, no one has ever faced charges or been arrested for the Chicago Tylenol No one even murders. arrested. Nah. They love to arrest people. Other than the guy arrested for extortion. Oh, yeah. And the guy who shot the barman. Ah, oh, that That's sucks. Right. Someone got away with it. The FBI even investigated a theory that another famous killer could have been responsible. In 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from the Unabomber, oh. Ted Kaczynski, in connection to the Tylenol murder- murders. Uh, he denied having ever possessed uh, potassium cyanide. But the first four Unabomber crimes happened in Chicago uh, and its suburbs from 1978 to 1980. And Kaczynski's parents had a suburban Chicago home in Lombard, Illinois in 1982. So they were like, maybe he oh. you know, was using his parents' place as a base. But we've obviously done the Unabomber as a topic. That's right. Was that a block topic? Fuck, it might have been. It was definitely one of our... It was a very popular episode. I think it's one of our top three downloads ever, I And that was a name... That I'd heard a lot, but I, d- I knew nothing about it. It's an amazing story. You know, in a tragic and yes, terrifying way. Yes, but, but yeah, they... Uh, much like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Nothing nothing linked Ted Kaczynski to it. But even in 2011, they're like, uh, what else? What else? So uh, that guy. Working on they're it. still trying. You know how you said earlier the guy at the bar bragged about, oh, it's easy to get cyanide. Yeah. Is that true? Like, I've got no idea. If it's, I don't... Well... If it's so poisonous, like... I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but I'm not 100% sure back then. Like, yeah, where you get it from? Yeah. And what, what it's for? Like, yeah. You know? Well, that's it. They were, um, I, did remem- I do remember reading something about, like, the manufacturing plant, um, you know, going and checking their cyanide. And I'm like, why do you have it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What have you got that for? Why have you got it? What's it, what's it used it for? It must have a practical use. It must do, but... Do you think yeah. people are yelling at their iPods right now? Probably. Chemists mostly. What if I Google it? What do you, What do you reckon? I think you'll go on a list. But you yeah, you do have it. a guess. All right, practical use of cyanide. Well, I don't know what like a pharmaceutical company would be using it for, unless it's like it burn it down. It feels like, like yeah, like, even in a small dose, it sounds deadly. So it's not yeah. like even a tiny bit can cure cancer or That's something. That's right. It's yeah. Like, According to emergency.cdc.gov, in manufacturing, cyanide is used to make paper, textiles, and plastics. It is present in the chemicals used to develop photographs. Cyanide salts are used in metallurgy. Is that it? For electroplating, metal cleaning, and removing gold from its ore. Cyanide gas is used to exterminate pests and vermin in ships and buildings. So it seems like it's got a lot of there you go. Wow. Uses. That's uh, that's interesting. Okay. Wow. But yeah, they even they even sort of were trying to figure out, uh, you know how how the killer actually did it. Like, was it, did they just go into a store, buy or steal a bottle of cyanide, take it out, pull it, pull a few apart and fill it, you know, it's like... And then take it back. Yeah, exactly. Put it back on the shelf. 
And now I'm guessing that this is pre like those one new seals oh and stuff. Oh my god, Matthew Stewart, your timing perfection. <laughs> wow. Because one element of this story that we haven't talked about yet is the Tylenol manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. So before the 1982 crisis, Tylenol controlled more than 35% of the over-the-counter pain reliever market. Only a few weeks after these deaths, that number plummeted to less than 8%. See, wow. I know. Mr. Tylenol, Rick Tylenol. Rick Tylenol. Stocks are going down. Yeah. He's buying big. Buying up. He's gonna, but it's going to go back up, surely. So the this dire situation, both in terms of human life and business, <laughs> made it... Imp- more importantly. More importantly, business. Made it imperative that Johnson & Johnson executives respond swiftly and authoritatively. Um, and obviously, they were a suspect. Like, had they had it been something that they'd done wrong... Was it something in a, in the manufacturing? Investigators first considered whether the tampering could have occurred at the manufacturing plants. Every Tylenol bottle had a lot number that offered specific details about the batch that those capsules came from. The Kellerman and the Yanis bottles contained Tylenol from lot MC2880, manufactured in Pennsylvania on April 26, 1982, so months earlier, and in Pennsylvania. The bottles travelled to various warehouses, including a final storage stop at a jewel facility in suburban Franklin Park, before being delivered to a different gro- to different grocery stores on different days before the poisoning. The lot numbers for the McFarland, Reiner and Prince bottles indicated they were manufactured in Texas and went to different warehouses in the Chicago area before ending up on store shelves. Right, so it's sounding now like someone's gone into the shops and done it. That's right, yeah. So within 48 hours of the murders, the task force used this information to conclude publicly that the pills could not have been poisoned during production. Right. So Johnson & Johnson weren't, you know, there, there wasn't that some rogue employee was doing it. It was that somebody was taking the bottles, adding poison, putting the bottles back. So it was random. Assistant U.S. Attorney Jeremy Margulies said at the time, obviously Johnson & Johnson didn't put cyanide in their own products. That's clear. <laughs> I wonder, I'm guessing there wasn't good CCTV in these chemists because otherwise, yeah. like today, you'd imagine that every aisle has a camera and you could just, they would have found the person who totally right. did it. Yeah, you well, would think so. They would have been like, oh, it was that blurry man. That blurry <laughs> man did it. <gasps> the blurry man? That sounds like an X-Files episode. Yeah. It's actually, I just watched an episode about a blurry. They had CCTV footage and it was only one frame and it was a blur. And then they used all these new techniques to add color. To enhance. And enhance, add shadow. (laughs) I recognize those colors. That's a Letterman jacket color. (gasps) David Letterman? (laughs) Got him again. King of late night. So this is um, Jeremy Margulies again. The likelihood that the same person could have put cyanide into different batches manufactured at different times in different places was logistically zero. So very quickly, the manufacturer was cleared of responsibility. Um, But Johnson & Johnson initially recalled only those products with the same batch number, like we mentioned before. Um, But people were terrified. Something like this had never happened before. People quickly lost their faith in the safety of their medicine, food, milk, everything. Because nothing was sealed back then. Food, nut, milk, nut, nothing was sealed Everything just came in an open box. It was just a box. Help yourself. Take a fistful. (laughs) Fistful of milk. (laughs) How Um, many fistfuls of milk we need for the kids? Six. After there's bottles of milk came in before, it was just buckets. (laughs) Open top buckets of milk. And you just went in and you just scooped out as much as you needed. Sorry, as I call it, the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> take me back. <laughs> With fears mounting, Johnson & Johnson recalled all over-the-counter Tylenol products on October 5th, nearly a week after Mary Kellerman's death. It marked the first... Ma- the f- 
It marked the first mass recall in US history involving more than 31 million bottles. Wow. This decision cost the company $100 million in 1982 money. They offered replacement capsules to those who turned in pills already purchased and a reward for anyone with information leading to the apprehension of the individual or people involved in these random murders. That, I think, uh, that reward money is still up for grabs. (laughs) From the New York Times, they also developed new product protection methods and ironclad pledges to do better in protecting their consumers in the future. Working with FDA officials, they introduced a new tamper-proof packaging which included foil seals and other features that made it obvious to a consumer if foul play had transpired. These packaging protections soon became the industry standard for all over-the-counter medication. The company also introduced price reductions and a new version of their pill called the Caplet, which was a tablet coated with a slick, easy-to-swallow gelatin, but it was you couldn't tamper with it. It was like a solid right, you can't open tablet it, rather than the capsule. In. Yeah, so that just made people feel a little bit safer. Um, and then they put it in the uh, tamper-proof bottles. Amazingly, within a year, Tylenol sales rebounded to, Told its, to its healthy past, and it became once again the nation's favourite over-the-counter pain reliever. Critics who had prematurely announced the death of the brand Tylenol were now praising the company's handling of the matter. And Rick, our, Rick Tylenol, Rick Tylenol you've, you've done, done it, it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's good. An article in the Washington Post said Johnson & Johnson has effectively demonstrated how a major business ought to handle a disaster. In fact, it's still studied in PR classes at universities because of it's generally viewed it's generally viewed as a textbook PR masterclass. Wow. The way they handled it is so praised. They're like couldn't done any better. That's because amazing. they put the consumer first. They took big sacrifices financially as a business and it paid off. Which is kind of cool, I guess. In 1983, the US Congress passed what was called the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offence to tamper with consumer products. And by 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all such products tamper-proof. But yeah, prior to that, things weren't really sealed. And even now, like, um, not that something like this has happened in my lifetime because I'm incredibly young. (laughs) Um, Well, stuff has, of course, but I mean, like, I wasn't alive for this exact one. But... uh, it, I don't know where it came from, but I'm sort of if if a seal's not on properly on something, I'm like, mm, not sure about that. What's mm. going on here? You know? But I I didn't live through something like this, so yeah. I don't know where that came from. It must have just been passed down, taught to us. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I'm always like, oh, why isn't this sealed? What? What's going on here? Oh, use it anyway. Yeah, I'll still use it, of course. Hopefully, it's got cyanide in it. <laughs> But now you think about like, uh, for example, Panadol here. It's yeah. all inside little packets and you pop it out. That's right, yeah. So you- and if one of those is a bit skewy, if you're like, did I do that? Did I just knock it yeah, and kind of pierce that aluminum? I'll just taste it. I'll just taste it. I'll just lick this. <laughs> smells like almond, but is this an almond flavoured one? Let me check the packaging. <laughs> I've already taken the pill, but I'll just check the packaging. That's not almond flavoured. Oh. Oh, well. But I don't have a headache anymore. Yeah, that's the least you worry. So that's nice. As you're floating above your body. <laughs> what am I doing down there? So, yeah, I suppose that is one very, very small silver lining that I'm desperate to find in a very tragic story. Um, yeah, it's funny that w- when things like that happen and you're like, it's like, oh, that's a silver lining. Yeah. But if those sort of things don't happen, you don't need that. Exactly. So it's yeah, a funny yeah. silver lining. It's great. So good, isn't it? That we seal everything now because yeah, seven now, people died. Everything's sealed in silver linings How now. good is that? How good is that? <laughs> 
that is Fantastic. good. Dave. That is good stuff. Thank you. So yeah, the tragic and devastating deaths of seven innocent people that sparked fear and paranoia in the entire US and around the world prompted changes to be made that prevent something like this happening again. And that is the very sad and mysterious story of the Chicago Tylenol murders. Great way, Bob. Block number eight. Can you believe it? Wow, what a story. I can't it's it's amazing that it hasn't been solved. Yeah, isn't it? Someone killed so many people and didn't face any consequences. And yeah, if that happened today, Matt's right. Like there'd be CCTV in every supermarket aisle, every chemist. Like it would be kind of easy to see who's taken some Tylenol, come back a little while later and put Tylenol back on the shelf. Yeah. You know, it would be, there'd be a lot more to go on. But yeah, there's no sort of paper trails and yeah, it's pretty messed up. Very messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Bit of an bit of an understatement there yeah. for me. It's like pretty bad, hey. <laughs> yes. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show—the section of the show where we get to thank our fantastic supporters, who I personally think are all hot. Mm-hmm. Um, something I know about women. Something I know about our Patreon supporters. Hotties. <laughs> Hotties. Our women Patreon supporters. Extra hot. Extra hot. Oh my god! <laughs> Ouch! They're uh, that hot. That's that's I how just hot touched they are. one. Consensually, so very hot. I just touched one. <laughs> Touch one of them. If you uh, <laughs> if you want to get involved, firstly make sure you're hot, and then go to Patreon.com/slash/TwoGoOnPod, and you can sign up on all sorts of levels. What are some of the rewards people get for um, for signing up? Their buffer? They get uh, three bonus episodes per month. What? Three of them. <laughs> crazy they get access to a facebook group the nicest corner of the internet they get to vote on uh, what topics we do reports on and they get early access to tickets to live shows oh yes and they recently got access to matt and i if you haven't heard uh coming back to the uk in november mm. we're doing some stand-up and podcast shows yeah i needed a couple of weeks off so i booked you guys some shows <laughs> thank you so i really appreciate that and the, yeah, the patreon supporters got first dibs on, on those tickets which they always do in a, in a discount and just in case you've been skipping the ad at the top of the episode let me tell you about those uk shows now mm. we are coming to birmingham glasgow leeds manchester bristol and london matt we're doing some book sheets we're doing some who knew it with matt stewart each show ends with a stand-up show so you get two tickets for the price of one so good oh wonderful oh, wonderful oh, lovely and you can get tickets at dogoonpod.com right now. Gosh, we'd love to see you there. Yeah. Can't Honestly, wait. We've got to pay Jess back for these flights that you booked us on. Yeah, I booked you some Did flights. you have to book first class? Well, I wanted you only the best for my boys. <laughs> yeah, I actually appreciate it. But we are very much in debt. <laughs> oh, my God. Buy tickets. The good thing is we're, we we only got one ticket, but the two of us in one first class chair with oh plenty God. of space. Still can't. We won't even touch each other. No. We refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the other things uh, people can get involved in is the fact quote or question section. You can do that by signing up at the Sydney Scheinberg level or above. Then you get to give us a fact quote or question. And this section of the show has a little jingle. goes something like this. Fact quote or question. Yeah, he always remembers the ding. She always remembers the jingle. <laughs> uh, and yeah, once you get involved, you get to give us a fact, a quote or a question or a brag or a suggestion or anything you like really. You also get to give yourself a title. First up this week, we've got one from Peter Atkin, a.k.a. Lord Regent, 
of the Third Court of the Official Parliament for Representation of International Dugoon Interests and Issues. I got every fourth word of that, but that sounds sounds incredibly important. Uh, And Peter is asking a question, writing, Hey guys, I have a cheeky brag which leads to a question. Ooh, love that. Me and my brothers recently completed the British Three Peaks Challenge, uh, which is climb the tallest mountains in the three British countries in 24 hours. And it was... In 24 hours? Yes. That, Amazing. That's wild. Is, are there only three... What does, is North Island not counted as a... I'm so confused by the UK. Maybe the, uh, the, Isle, the island of Britain. Oh, is that I what see. I mean? Maybe, yeah, that's fair enough. So Wales... Scotland and I always yeah. forget the third Northern one. Ireland's part of the UK. <laughs> yeah. Wales, Scotland. What is that third one? This yeah. is it's a small one, isn't it? It's tiny. Ah, I've lost it. Don't worry. Well, you know, the other and the, well, other and the rest. And the rest. <laughs> Peter goes on. What would you guys say? Is this an Aussie abroad? <laughs> what would you guys say was the most challenging challenge you've ever done, be it physical, mental, or perhaps other? Thanks so much for the constant laughter and good vibes. Also, York isn't as posh as those Leeds lot like to say. <laughs> but is it as handsome as we like to say? Handsome. <laughs> but is it as handsome? Oh, we are so handsome. Based oh. on those three big Viking brothers. They we were so handsome. <laughs> handsome, um, those beautiful handsome men. It's, it feels like you're making fun of me, but I don't understand how. <laughs> so the question is, what's the most challenging thing oh. we've done? I would say, because I... I've Here done a challenge, which was for the Guinness World Records longest ever variety show. That's right. But I think I got a Facebook rem- reminder that was eight years ago this month that Adam Knox and I, as part of the Melbourne Fringe Festival, attempted to host the world's longest variety show. Mm. And the rules were, as hosts, we could only do five minutes in between each act and no act could go longer than ten minutes. Yeah. And I, I, I stayed way under from memory. How many seconds were left on the clock? We were basically tackling Matt off the stage because the song goes over ten minutes. Oh. You get disqualified. I, I, I just, I was, you know, I, I was doing pretty well, so I didn't want to just, just get off the stage. Ah, when you're crushing. I was mid bit, and uh, Knox bear hugged me off the stage. <laughs> were you involved in that, Bopper? Nah, this is before my time. Before your time, um, but yeah, I think it went for about thirteen and a half hours or something like that. It broke the record. Unfortunately, before it got verified by Guinness, someone else in New York. Did an even longer one. What a piece of shit. So it means yeah. never, never fully qualified. I'm uh, so sorry, Dave. The Big Apple. Those dogs. And you never thought to try again? I mean... They beat it by a long way from memory I think as well. they went to 22 hours or something. It was okay, like, okay, and you never thought to try again. Like, again, like, I just answer the question. It was just so much admin. So <laughs> yeah, no. it's a lot. It was so much. It's a lot. What about you, Bop? Have you ever been challenged? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you find life pretty easy. I don't. Pretty I just breezy. like anything that seems challenging, I don't try. Okay. It's not that I find life easy. I find small tasks awful. Right. Um, what about that leg press record you hit? Yeah, it wasn't a challenge though. No, that was easy. That was easy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I can't think of anything that's been... I mean, of course, of course I've done things that are challenging. I can't think of anything. Because mm. I think because I'm comparing it to, like, climbing three mountains. Yes. I've, I'm like, I've nah, not done anything not. like that. I've got the, uh, the, ma- the, the mountains here. So in Scotland, it's Ben Nevis. That's the tallest one. Oh, I've heard of him. 1,345 metres. Okay, I don't know what that means. Well, for, for scale, Kosciuszko, we all know how tall that is. That's 2,200 metres. So it's smaller than Kosciuszko. Yeah. And I've done Kosciuszko. Yeah. 
And then you go down to uh, England. They've got... That's the other one, Matt. But you would have driven up. Or have you walked from the base of Mount Kosciuszko? Yeah, I've walked to no, the No, I've never done that. It's like, there's a trail. It's it's not that hard. Oh, Well, I was a child. But even as a kid, I was like... As a teen, really? I was like, this isn't that hard. Like, I've been to the top of Mount Buffalo, but oh. like driving yeah, to a right. car park and then walking the last, you know, half an hour or nah, something. No, yeah, it's like... It's it's, it would be hours long though, right? I don't even remember. It didn't feel like it was that bad. Yeah, right. I did it as a teenager. Hmm. Did you go past Swiggins Hole? Probably. Or whatever it's called, Smiggins Hole? Would Swiggins. I do it again now, though? No, because no. I don't like a challenge. No. and But that doesn't sound like that one was one. Yeah, but I was... You know when you... You know how like kids just run all day? And you're like, how are you doing that? <laughs> I, you know, I was a teenager. I was probably fit. Red cordial. Now I'm like, nah, stuff that. You know, and so then England at Scaffold Pike. Oh, England. Yeah, that's, that's the other right. one. Uh, 978 metres. Then 978 metres. Yeah. Okay. And then there's Wales, which is Snowdon, which is just over a thousand metres. I'm on mountaineering.com and they say the 24-hour challenge, it, the walking distance is 23 miles. That's how far you walk. That's you, a long way. You drive 450 up. miles, which takes 10 hours in itself. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're probably That's up incredible. for 24 hours, I reckon. That's wild. And just walk, like, it's not just, and it's obviously not flat walking either. That's no. a long walk. Yeah, 23 Let alone miles. walking diagonally upwards. Up and downhill, mm. yeah. Wow. That's redonkulous. Apparently, oh, this other website says that all up, it's 13 hours of trek, 10 hours of driving. Nah. So 23 hours, you just get it done. Wow. Thanks. Matt, we're going to be there soon. Do you want to do it? No. Do you, have, okay, you don't fine. have the time, I don't think. Coward. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely coward. Yeah, I wish you could. Otherwise, I'd do it. I've booked in too many shows for you. You can't do it. I'd like to. I'll do the three Irish pub challenge. <laughs> I'll go to an Irish pub in each of Wales, Scotland, and oh, what was it? Was it Ireland? No. No. No, it's not, no, it's no, not Ireland. No. Silly. What's that small one? Uh, it doesn't matter. No, it is an island. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've done a few fun runs. I think the furthest one I ever did was like 15Ks. And that felt like it's not shit that fun, is the it? whole time. Yeah, they're not fun <laughs> runs. I felt that challenging. I want to get back into them because I felt good afterwards. Mm. And I'm feeling a bit like a slob this year. So I'm, I should just book it in and do it. That's an awesome effort. Well done, Peter Atkin. Yeah, amazing. Impressive. Or Aitken. And uh, next up, I'd love to thank Erica, who is also known as Yeehaw Queen. Oh, say it properly. Yeehaw Queen? Yeah, but like, like perform it. Oh. Yeehaw Queen. Okay. How would you do it? Yeehaw Queen. Oh, <laughs> Yeehaw Queen. That was my first go. I oh, know. Matt doesn't respond well to direction. <laughs> That's right. Um, and this comes from so Erica writes this bracket fun Jess Bueller fact comes from <laughs> comes on the heels of listening to the Fab Mission Impossible episode mm. and remembering the time that Jeremy Renner broke both his both of his arms. One may assume he did this while filming Avengers or Born Legacy or even Mission Impossible movies, but no, no. He did this while filming the cinematic masterpiece Tag. I've seen Tag. You've seen Tag? Yeah, I've seen Tag. You've seen Tag? No. It's a romp. Yeah. It's a great airplane movie. Yeah, great plane movie. It's a group of friends who have an ongoing game of Tag. Based on a true story. Through their entire lives. Uh, During a scene where he climbs up a stack of chairs 20 feet high to escape being tagged by his friends, the rigging failed and his arms went snap. 
Anyway, he returned to filming that same scene again on the same day and they had to CGI his casts out. Then he had to go shoot with his bow and arrow as Hawkeye. Cheers to a legend because he did... He did go on, but more important, but more importantly, cheers to you, legends. Thank you for all you do, Erica. Thank you, ye har queen. No, ye haw, ye haw queen. Oh my god, is that a better performance? No, somehow worse. <laughs> How are you getting worse at this? Ye haw queen. Yes, there wow. it is. Oh, I, that helped. I just did some boot scooting before it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did help. Yeah, for the listeners at home, we turned the mics off for two hours. And <laughs> Matt did some boot scooting. Really uh, we I'll just find it brings out the best in him. I put Steps Club 7 on and Steps I... Steps Club 7. My boot scooting baby uh-huh. driving me crazy. My obsession from a mission. Sam days. My rodeo, Romeo. Gonna have to find it. And no, Amy C from ME <laughs> is next up. Okay. Embalmer sans ass packing. <laughs> because if you know what you're doing, it's really unnecessary. The ass packing? If you know what you're doing. Okay. She's, she's calling it, it's amateur hour, these yeah, ass packers. Yeah, it's ass packers. Uh, Amy's got a suggestion, which is keep up the excellent work. This is the podcast that got me through 2020 and 2021 and thus far in 2022. When I didn't see my family for almost a year because I'm actually a funeral director and embalmer. Okay. No. Was not kidding. No. Wow. I wonder if it truly is amateur hour to pack asses. I wonder, I, I imagine that wouldn't have been a fun episode to listen to because you'd be like, oh, that's not quite right. I yeah. do find the people who dislike episodes are usually someone who's very close to it. Either they're a big fan of something. Riverdance. Or, <laughs> or otherwise. Uh, my mother was diagnosed with a type of cancer in 2018, making her a high-risk person once the pandemic became reality. In order to keep her safe and healthy as possible and keep doing my job when needed most, we just decided as a family that I wouldn't visit anyone in person until safe to do so. Oh, that's hard. So brutal. 2020 turned out to be a year full of hate and anger toward funeral directors. Really? Wow. And I imagine a lot of other people too, which isolated me even more than most. Being able to tune in to your humorous dynamic and silly antics consistently every week uh, meant I could keep serving families in an empathetic and compassionate way that didn't reflect the heinous amount of bullshit that wasn't my fault. God, that's awful. I can't believe that. Yeah, wow. Uh, But I was being forced to deal with thanklessly regardless. Uh, my financial support is long overdue and finally brought to you by Matt saying, Pussy needs a dickin' on some episode several months back. <laughs> if you, Matt, hopefully, could also say Barbados in that special way. I don't know, a special way. I think you just did it. No, I don't know if I can do it in a special way. I'll just say it how it is. Barbados in that special way. <laughs> I did just re-listen to the Bermuda Triangle episode. Do you remember that one, Matt? It was a good one. Yeah, I remember. I uh, made some money for charity that day. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. And what an episode. Bravely. Bravely. Um, but most recently by Michelle Brazier naming a drink the 9-11, which was <laughs> frankly long overdue as well. 
You're all marvellous. Don't change a thing. Do you remember Pussy Needs a Dickin? I don't. I don't, I don't remember, remember that, that at all. all. And no. it feels like... I, but I can imagine your regret face immediately after saying it. Pussy Needs a Dickin. The context of that would yeah. really... that a, a lot of that depends on context. But I, I think do. in any context, that feels like a good and... Cool thing to cool say. Cool thing to say. <laughs> Pussy Needs a Dickin. Should we get t-shirts made? Good and cool. As we always say. Pussy Needs a Dickin. That's at least a sticker. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so funny, not like yeah, no recollection of that at all. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Amy C from MA. So sorry that you d- went through that. That's that sucks. But on top of being isolated from your I family, know, yeah, I had I yeah, I had a, a few friends who were kind of doing the same thing with sick parents. So that is really tough, and it's I mean. Uh, it, it's really lovely that we brought you any kind of joy. That's really nice, Amy. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, and finally, uh, this week for the Fat Quota Question section, Scott Turner, aka Visitor Experience Manager of the Semi Aquatic Museum of Niche Sports. Okay. Uh, has offered us a fact. Writing, first time fact quote or question submitter. Hey, team, I'm going to share a fact, but I'll slip in a brag before I do. After listening to the show for a long time, I recently got a new job as the visitor experience manager of a children's museum here in Washington, D.C. I get to go to work each day and combine my passions for education, accessibility, and performance to improve the experience of the children and families that come to the museum. The increase in salary has enabled me to support the show, which is why you're hearing from me. To the fact. Congratulations on the new gig. Yeah. Scott. Yeah, Hell yeah. Sounds so cool. Uh, Matt, as a diverse sports fan, I wanted to share a sport that I love that you might find interesting. That sport is swim run. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, it just sounds like a, someone's um, panicked when trying to, ca- trying we need to a new it. sport. Um, uh, swim run. <laughs> swim running. Oh. <laughs> well, what is it? You swim and then run in the water. Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Dave. Jess is basically... <laughs> Uh, Did I nail it? Oh, well, I haven't read ahead yet, but I'm guessing. Let's find out. Let's find out if I uh, nailed it's it. It's a fusion of trail running and open water swimming where athletes traverse water, where athletes traverse whatever comes their way, often taking place on an archipelago. Sorry for the geography, Jess. <laughs> you hate it. You hate I any... I have no fucking idea what that is. <laughs> what? It's like a lot of little islands? Yeah. Dave doesn't know. Is Indonesia an archipelago? It doesn't matter. Yeah! It's yeah, my it's, impression it's, of Dave. It's islands, isn't it? Yeah. Is Japan an archipelago? It's What a beautiful... I just like saying it's it. It's fun to say. Um, but, but I won't say it. Don't yell at your iPods. Dave, you can... You can you you, when up. I finish this, can you uh, explain? There is a Japanese archipelago. Thank the you. Philippine archipelago. The Maldives. The Galapagos Islands. Okay. Canary Islands. Indonesia. The, Haw- the Hawaiian Islands are all examples. Damn it. Oh, and I'm sure that's there. I just haven't... Um, uh, so... It goes on to say... Great Ath- Indonesia archipelago. Okay. Thank God. You we saved a few a iPods there. <laughs> <laughs> People are smashing them against brick walls. Uh, athletes run in teams of two to the end of an island, jump in the water, swim to the next, and repeat until the finish line. Talking about challenges before, this this seems like an epic challenge. I just... I, I don't... It, good for you. I love people who love to do these sorts of challenges physically me absolutely not right because it feels like it sounds like such a beautiful place but it would be hard to so take just much go of and it visit in it. like just go on holiday 
That's yeah. my challenge. Holiday. I'd also, I feel like I, I open water swimming with a lot of people around when you're already knackered oh from running. God. That just sounds like a bit nightmarish to me. Did I tell you I got you know seasick in the water? Oh. Like in the water. I'm snorkeling around. Is it similar seasick. to crying? People can't tell you're doing it when you're nah, under the water. Nah, you could tell when I was <laughs> vomiting into the water. Yeah, I think because suddenly fish were all around me. Oh, chum! You were chumming. I it. was chumming it. But for you, Matt, is the water your safe place? Yeah. Well, not, get not, don't get in there with me then. <laughs> Doesn't sound too safe around Bob. Uh, you swim in your shoes, run in special wetsuits. Often the water is very cold. Climb slippery rocks and run through incredible terrain. I invest a great deal of my time in training for this sport and it paid off this year as I won my first ever race as an endurance athlete. Yes! The best part about this crazy sport? Amazing. It began as a drunken bet by some friends living near the Swedish archipelago <laughs> and has been growing ever since. Might make a great topic. That's cool. Uh, hope that wasn't dry. Thanks for the laugh, Scott. Well done, Scott. No, Congratulations. Scott. See, that's the thing. I find that so cool and so impressive and I love people who have that kind of dedication to things. It's just not something I could ever even fathom, but that is so cool, Scott. Good um, job. Amazing. Yeah, I love it. It sounds, I'd, I think it would be a, an awesome thing to watch even, you yeah. know, because of the scenery and stuff. Yeah. More Again, than you could just go on holiday. Triathlon or whatever. Yeah. Just sit back and watch. <laughs> just go watch him. Some swim run. Some cocktail or something. Swim run. Or is it run swim? Swim no, run. Swim run. Swim run. Swim run. Uh, even though it does sound like you usually start on land. Thank you so much to Scott, Amy, Erica, and Peter. Uh, we also shout out to a few other of our great supporters, uh, Bob, normally. And uh, you normally come up with a bit of a game. That's based true. On the episode topic. A little hard with um, this one being about some uh, poisoning yeah. murders. Who's one of our heroes from? We have Helen. Helen's great. Helen Jensen. What's something, what, maybe something that, that, that they would have solved if people listened to them? <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, great. That's fun. Uh, well, first up, from address unknown, uh, <gasps> can only assume from somewhere deep within the fortress of mm. the moles, it's Melissa C. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> if only people had listened. If only they'd listened. She said clockwise, damn it. <laughs> and they went anti-clockwise. What were they thinking? They still, to this day, have not solved a Rubik's Cube. Fools. <laughs> Melissa C. Melissa C went out on her own. Stomped got her, own, her feet. Stomped her feet, got her own Rubik's Cube. Mm. Said, solved it. Just do it like this. And they're like... They're like, what are you mm, talking about? That doesn't look right. Sorry, you're so shrill. I Did can't you hear what you're talking about. Move the stickers around or what? <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't jumbled it yet. Okay. okay. That's what I'm hearing. Is you bought it freshly made and Oh, that's the key. Oh yeah. Never jumble. Never, never jumble. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Melissa. Melissa and I'm C. so I'm so sad that they didn't listen. C of course, standing for Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa Cube. Melissa's middle name is Rubik's. <laughs> Uh, next up, we really should have listened. Do you think Rubik's is a beautiful name for a boy or girl? Yeah, absolutely. That's nice. Beautiful. You got name. Ruby. Let's Rubik's. <laughs> I think you've zhuzhed up Ruby a yeah, little bit there, if anything. Rubik's. And you've got Ruby for short if you want, anyway. That's nice. Good to give your kid options. Or Bix. 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 Bicky. Bicky. X. Bicky. Uh, next, I'd love to thank from Toledo in Ohio in the United States, God's country. It's Justin Coy. Justin Coy. What could he have prevented if people listened to him? Dave? He could have prevented... He's looking around the room. World War II. Whoa. Only people had listened. Are he you was, serious? He was saying, don't invade Belgium. And Hitler was like, stand aside, Justin Coy. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Well, of course, Coy by name, Coy by nature. He was like, okay. 
Wow, yeah, that's what Koi is. Because we, we did World okay. War One. Belgium was very key there as well. Was it, did, it was it fully just a repeat again? Oh, maybe we I should get a. Oh no, I think in Poland. Poland, I thought it was Poland. I I don't know that for sure, but I, people do talk about Poland a bit. Yeah, but he but also was there. I'm keen to do that as an episode. He was he was saying time. he was trying to stop World War One as well. There's only Justin Coy. He yeah he said wow. he said to Franz Ferdinand, no no don't turn down this street. That's the wrong street. You're gonna get shot and you're gonna kick off World War One. Yeah. And Franz Ferdinand said, what? What are you talking They're about? They're going to take me out? Get this man off. Do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to Justin. The next person I'd love to thank is from Alexandria in ABC in Great Britain. Wow. I wonder where ABC is. That's Sean Parfury. Hmm. Sean Parfury. Parfury is a beautiful name. Beautiful name. And if only we'd listened. When Sean told us... Uh, that... The Hindenburg, yeah, uh, should never be built. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Don't, no, don't." He just slapped it and said, "This should never be built." And they're like, "Well, it is. Well, it's, it's already there. It's you, taking off. You're touching it. Yeah. In fact, you're attached to it. You're flying. You're flying. Let, this, don't let go. Actually. You're flying this you're airship. The, you're the captain. You're the captain. You're the pilot. <laughs> so I don't care that you think it should never have been. You just need to pay attention. <laughs> He's like, it, it should go up." It'll come back down. They're like, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, that's the point at its destination. We don't want it to fly forever. He's like, no, no. in flames. <laughs> yeah, he tried. He Great tried work, Sean. Thanks, Sean. You he tried. just didn't understand every sentence. Yeah. They misunderstood it. Bloody hell. You can really just interpret things however you want to. In flames, heroic flames. Yeah. Yes, metaphoric flames. Flames sure. of glory, sure. <laughs> Jess, would you like to thank a few people? Matt. Nothing would bring me mm, more joy. Me neither. I would love to thank from Rising Sun in Maryland, MD. Rising Sun. How nice is that? I would love to thank Shelby. Uh, Shelby uh, could have, if only they listened, my Ikea couch would have four legs instead of three. <sighs> Shelby I, warned you. But I said, I don't need this and I threw it out. Now my couch. And Shelby said, Dave, you're going to need that. Well, you, that's, that's a fourth in, leg that's, for your I couch. Said, this is a spare leg. Couches only have three. I threw it out <laughs> and then I sat on it. Yeah. And I realised Shelby was right. Toppled. But the, but the garbage truck was driving down the street. Which um which leg was it? Uh, back left. Back left. I didn't think that was important. As, as you're sitting on or as you're looking at the couch? I oh, know, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to get these facts established. It's couch stage left. Okay. That doesn't answer my I don't get it. Stage left, it always confused me. Anyway, um, uh, so that's interesting, Dave. So so to look at the couch, it probably still looks fine. Looks fine, but you should not sit on that couch uh, under any circumstances. What about on the right side? Can you still sit on the right side? Uh, yeah, but the dog shat there. Oh. Okay. So This doesn't sound like a good couch. Oh, no, it's not a good couch. I, I really should have listened to Shelby. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, thank you, Shelby. If only. Uh, I would also love to thank from Ghoul. <laughs> Coming up to Halloween. Very appropriate. Ghoul. <laughs> I would love to thank Holly Franklin. Holly More like Franklin. Holly Frankenstein. Ghoul. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Oh, it's actually Frankenstein's monster. Oh, ghoul. Not that, <laughs> not that far from Leeds. East please, of please, Leeds. Ghoul uh, cool has the Ghoul Museum. Okay. And a Tesco and an Argos. Ooh. What kind of ghouls do they have there? Uh, hot ones. Hot ghouls. Hot ghouls. My favourite kind of ghouls. And what could have been avoided if we just listened oh, to Holly Franklin? If we listened to Holly Franklin, we would have been able to avoid climate change. Yeah. 
Damn. Step aside, Al Gore. <laughs> Holly Franklin was making TED Talks long before you were, my friend. More like Al Ghul. Ghoul. Yeah, if only we'd listened. Honestly, this is probably the most impo- important one since the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That the dog shot on. Um, Holly's been saying for ages, hey, hey, this isn't good. Hey, we should. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't good. Hey, guys. Nah. Guys, for reals, this isn't good. Holly just doesn't use alarmist language. Yeah. They're, like, they're just p- bit chill. Yeah, a bit too chill. Bit and I think that's why people on. were a bit dismissive. Yeah. So a lesson for Holly there as well to, I guess, be more assertive. So, yeah, we all have things to learn here anyway. Holly, have you tried stomping your feet? Holly, yeah, yell. Yell and stomp your feet and then they'll listen. Um, finally, for me, I would love to thank from Caloundra West in Queensland, Australia. It is Emily. Oh, Emily. I'm so oh, sorry. Emily. I'm so sorry that that uh, we didn't listen to you in particular. This was something that Emily. Remember when Emily messaged us, Dave, just before we we made that big blunder? Oh my goodness! Such a big blunder. Yeah. What was it again? Um, we ordered the wrong color paint. Yeah. For our did. for our office. You idiots. Yeah. Like so, one wall's pink and the other one is. Slightly less pink. Yeah. It looks terrible. It looks awful. What a blunder. Emily's like, yeah. And that's why you guys have been fired for pink, that blunder. Pink yeah. feature walls. You can't have four feature walls, yeah, she said. Yeah, four slightly not discolored feature walls. All of a sudden, none of, if you have all feature walls, none of them are feature walls. <laughs> well, then we, we were saying, you're the feature <coughs> then. You're the feature. Yeah. We're trying to, yeah, we don't want the walls to get all the attention. That's right. We want to have the attention. Look, look at me. We want people to walk into our office and go, wow, <laughs> look at that. You're really popping off that wall. Yeah. We want really ugly walls so we look hotter in comparison. Is that too much to ask? I don't think it is. But we should have listened to Emily. Dave, do you want to thank some people? Hey, love. So I'm on the Ghoul Museum website. Oh, it's free entry, everyone. 6,000 images of Ghoul apparently on display. We should go to Ghoul Museum, Dave, when we're over there. All right, let's put it on the list. I'm also so keen when we're in Glasgow, up in Scotland, obviously, a little bit east from there, we can go to a museum that has a Concorde. Oh. Whoa. Man, I want to get on that I thing. I was sure you were going to talk about the Penn Museum. Oh, that's in Birmingham. Okay. Take me to the Penn Museum. So many things on the list. Hey, I would like to thank... Um, wow, this is great. Jess, are you getting jealous? <laughs> listening to this itinerary <laughs> we're gonna go ghoul museum the pen museum and then ride a flung ride a flung cord i'm, really, I'm, flung cord. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of flung cord <laughs> goodbye it's not too late jeff yeah i think i'm gonna go quit my jeff job is like, so I, I, think can come. I think it's too late <laughs> oh, sucks. my favorite comment was when we said we're doing the podcast and that each show will feature us two and a special guest and someone wrote i hope the special guest is jess <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd be disappointed if if nobody was like, "Why is it Jessica? Where's Jess?" I'd be a little hurt. So I'm glad somebody was like, "I hope it's Jess." Imagine it is, but we just didn't announce you. You flew me in for one. That is pretty fun. Oh, that would be fun. Put you on the phone cord. We did. Put um, me on the phone cord. Um, but yeah, obviously we wanted Jess to be there. Don't lie to them. <laughs> hey, I'd love to thank okay, some people. Obviously, as well. I wanted Jess to be there. <laughs> Dave, Dave is mad at me. <laughs> well, you. Let me paint that feature wall. It looks fucking terrible. <laughs> hey, I'd like to thank from... This is a fantastic place. Mechanicsburg. Oh. In Pennsylvania? Philadelphia. Oh. What is this? Penn Museum. Oh, the Penn Museum. Let me look this up. Mechanicsburg. In Pennsylvania. 
It's Brennan Dickerson. Holy shit. That's such a good name. That is such a great name. Brennan Dickerson. It's unfair because we know that our supporters are hot, but yeah. it's unfair that they also have the best names. It's really, it's not fair. And they also have good personalities. It's yeah. like, come on. How can you have it all? You, normally you can't have it all. <sighs> uh, not in Brennan Dickerson's case. Nah, that's good. You know what I always say? This pussy needs a Dickerson. <laughs> <laughs> What has Brennan saved or could have saved if we'd listened? Matt from that awkward <laughs> joke. Right. Brennan could have tapped Matt on the ran shoulder. it past Brennan first and Brennan went, No, nah, I don't think it'll fly. This I don't think Jess will support you on that joke, which she should have done. I think she'll just stare at you and let you sit in the moment for a bit. Kind of she thought that would be funny. Um so I just I reckon don't even bother. Um but Matt didn't listen and he went for it anyway and I I let him fall. It was a panicked call. I didn't catch him. We just quickly, they wouldn't have noticed, but we quickly paused the the recording because I was getting a call oh, from Brennan Dickerson. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. Well, this is highly unusual. Brennan, we're in the middle of a recording. Mm. Is everything okay? <laughs> Brennan, where are you? <laughs> uh, for those, uh, the small niche of listeners who remember the Warwick Capit tapes oh, from so Get funny. This. Look it up. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Warwick, where are you? Uh, Brennan Dickerson, fantastic. fantastic. And I'm so name. sorry. I really should have listened to you there. Uh, and I apologise that I did oh. not. You're we could edit it out, but no. Nah. I, I've done it and I have <laughs> to suffer the consequences. That. Yep, live with yourself. I would also love to thank from Waterloo in New South Wales, it's Cam. 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 Jess, what did Cam... What could Cam have what prevented? Could he have prevented. Um, if only they listened. The uh, the you know the two thousand Olympic Games opening ceremony when Kathy Freeman lit the cauldron Ooh. and there was like the um, bit of a mechanical error and that it just sort of hung there for a little bit. Big pause. Cam actually, he he saw that being a potential problem. And suggested a few easy things they could have done to ensure that did not occur. And um, it happened anyway. What? They didn't listen. They should have listened. They should have listened. Cam, I would have listened. Yeah. But you know what you're talking about. But they didn't. Well, next time. Next time Sydney hosts the Olympics, I'm sure they'll listen. And I would finally like to thank from Worcester in Great Britain, Kevin Sanders. Kevin Sanders. Kevin Sanders. Do you want me to do this final yeah, one? Yeah, if you've got... Oh, if you know, I don't know this one. Well, I know it, but it's just it's so frustrating that, that the people didn't listen because uh, Kevin Sanders said to the producers on Hey Hey It's Saturday, mm. the world's moved on from blackface. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Daryl Summers jumped in and he said, mm, I don't, think, I don't we have. think so. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Had, and they had the Jackson Jive yes. perform in blackface. Yeah. On Australian national TV in yeah. prime time, in m- maybe like fifteen years ago. Yeah, I'm looking it up uh, when that was, because it was too recently. Um, but luckily, Harry Connick Jr. was there. Honestly, if he wasn't there, I don't think anyone would have known that it was not the <laughs> it was not right. Dear I Lord. think it was in 2009. Okay, less than fifteen years ago. So yeah, if only. Uh, <laughs> They took that call seriously from Kevin Sanders. Um, yeah. 
don't know why that came to mind. And uh, I, I kind of regret bringing the grimness back. Anyway, thank you so much, Kevin, Cam, Brennan, Emily, Holly, Shelby, Sean, Justin, and Melissa. Uh, we really appreciate it. And hopefully people listen to you in the future and they've all learned their lessons. You deserve to be heard. Yes. The last thing we like to do is uh, bring in a few people into the Triptych Club. Now, to get involved in the Triptych Club, you've just got to sign up and support us for three straight years mm -hmm. on the shout-out level or above. Uh, and basically what it is, a bit of theatre of the mind. You get your lifetime membership by doing that. Oh, I'm standing on the door. I've got the velvet rope ready to lift it up. I've got a, a clipboard with your names on it, the guest list. Two names on the list this week. Uh, Jess, you're normally in there behind the bar. Are you serving cocktails this week? Absolutely not. Um, none of these alcohol bottles were sealed, and so I've thrown them all out. Okay, that's and I, all for the I best. ordered fresh sealed bottles, but they have not arrived in time. So you can have water. Yep. Um, I've probably got some apple juice at the back of the fridge somewhere. <laughs> sealed. Oh yeah, that's sealed. Yeah. Um, I got some long life milk. Okay. Sealed. Sealed. Um, but yeah, apart from that, oh, I will a... be serving seal though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a delicacy. Oh. The singer. I'm baby seal. <laughs> I've killed You've seal. You've clubbed him to death. I've clubbed the singer seal to death. Wow. There and so go. we will be having that. Okay. Interesting. And Dave, you normally book a band? Uh, yes, we have. Oh, hopefully. Booked. <laughs> it wasn't a double booking here. Thank goodness it wasn't seal. <laughs> That's next week. So I'm going to have to really yeah. go back to... You're going to have to scramble there, my friend. My emails, but I uh, am... He will not be responding. <laughs> <laughs> I have booked Chicago's own The Smashing Pumpkins this oh, week. Wow. That's right. The world is a vampire. Oh, they love a ghoul. <laughs> they love a ghoul. Uh, awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's anything else we need to do apart from welcome in our two yeah. brand new guests. Dave's up on the stage. He's emceeing the show. Um the welcome party everyone who's already in is there chanting along with these names dave you ready to go you ready to hype these people I up i am so ready to rock because dave is a bit low on confidence jess is standing right behind him I hype him up hyping him up touch his as butt as required lift him up sometimes when he can't reach things <laughs> thank you <laughs> so a little boost first up i'd love to welcome into the triptych club from houston texas in the united states it's eli fisher i went fishing and i caught a good one Woo! it's eli fisher yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and finally from mawson lakes in south australia it's amanda mullins Ooh, i've been mulling it over and you know what i want you to come on down Yay! amanda woo, woo, woo. Real <laughs> please say that every time <laughs> welcome into the club amanda and eli make yourselves at home well that brings us to the end of the episode jess is there anything we need to tell people before we go that we love them and that anybody can suggest a topic there is a link in the show notes it's also on our website dogoonpod.com that's where you can find um all of our podcasts you can um look at pictures of us <laughs> you can buy merch and you can get tickets to live shows, which of course Matt and Dave have coming up. And we very also, soon. I don't know if we've mentioned on the show yet, but we're doing a Christmas episode in Melbourne. Yes, that's true. It's good that we leave it to the very last second to plug that. But yes, we've got a Christmas show coming up in December at Comedy Republic mm, on the 2nd of December. It's going to be a lot of fun. It was like, I think this is the first time we're mentioning it publicly, but it's already over half sold just from Patreons because they get the pre sales, yeah. as we mentioned. If you want to um, be involved with the Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash do go on pod. Uh, now, Dave, I think that's time to boot this baby home. That's it. Hey, we'll be back next week with another episode. I believe it's my report, the seventh uh, 
topic on our Blocktober countdown. Ooh, what could it be? Even bigger than the Tylenol murders. We'll find out next week. I'll be back. Until then, I'll say thank you so much and goodbye. Later. Bye. Real men. Real men. Hey, how hot are women? <laughs>Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.